evening, everyone. Welcome to Garage Hammer, episode 51. On tonight's episode, the boys discuss their weekend at Blood in the Sun 2. And special guest host, handsome man Grant Fetter. So, without any further ado, here are your hosts, David Whitek and Christopher Barnett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 51 of Garage Hammer. Area 51, we're broadcasting from the desert. Aliens from outer space, rocket ships from nowhere, that's us right here in Area 51, Garage Hammer Studios. Oh yeah. Oh goodness. I'm Skip Stevenson. Oh, you're not. And I'm Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, so, sitting across from me is the wonderful and always jovial Christopher Barnett. Come on down. And to my right is the man, the place, the emotion, David M. Whitek, Esquire. And together that makes us two dudes on a microphone. <laughs> no, two dudes on two microphones. Two Does that get weird? <laughs> Come a little closer. <laughs> Let's turn it up. No, I just put the hey, man, in. is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. Turn it up. All right. Hey, Strong Bad. Hey, Strong Bad. We're playing some games tonight. You can join my guild. No, thanks, Larry. No, wait. You wouldn't know majesty if I came up and bit you in the face. All right, we should probably thank our sponsors and stop quoting Strong Bad. I don't want to stop quoting Strong Bad. Nobody right. wants to stop quoting Strong Bad. It's true. Well, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors like, David, Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Yes. Game Preserve Stores, David, throughout Indiana. Yes. David, Urza's Den Custom Painting and Sculpting, David. <laughs> Battle Foam Protecting, David. You're a... Proper. Christopher. Proper. <laughs> <laughs> Episode fail. <laughs> and. Hold on. Wait. This is the time on the microphone when I'm David dying. loses his voice. He's not a good pain. It's Listen dying. to him. Cough, there goes a lung. Oh, God bless America. Weird world's terrain. David. What's your world? When did you buy a reverb pedal? Yeah. This is the late night with David and Christopher. <laughs> this is the time on the show when nobody's paying attention. It's the middle of the night and we're not following format. So here we go. <laughs> You Okay folks It's a cold medicine episode I'm throwing it out there Anyone who saw us It is the day after bits Monday Yeah I thought I was going to die Hold on hold on oh, finish, you, finish. Can, you can find links and information For all <laughs> Say it at home will you For all of our sponsors Both in the show notes And also on our website GarageHammer.net Oh that was reverberatious Whoa 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 Oh We have a shout out David Oh we do have a shout out You want to read it uh, sure. Let's have a look. Ian Loxham, he's on Twitter as Le underscore Dancing Queen. 
Dancing Queen on Twitter, as you put it on the uh, on the Twitter. Well, it says Twitter here. Does it say Twitter? It actually does. So Dancing Queen, Le Dancing Queen, says to you, the North Shore Warriors proudly present a gathering of might number nine. Number nine, gathering of number might nine. is number our nine. biannual fifteen hundred point tournament. Number nine, with sixty four places available number for nine. Warhammer Fantasy. Number nine, and sixty four places available for Warhammer Forty Thousand. Number nine, zero comp and special characters are allowed. Number nine, Christopher. Both lunches and a Saturday evening pizza fest are included in the ticket. It's held on August 25th and 26th at the Northwest Gaming Center in Stockport, UK. For more info, see either the Warhammer Forum or www.agomazinmary.co.uk. If you're lucky, you may get to see the Dancing Queen in a tutu. Cheers, Ian Loxham. That's excellent. Awesome. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Ian. And guys, we're, we haven't had shout-outs every episode recently. We've had a couple of ones without them, but... We've got, uh, you know, you want to do a shout-out, send in a donation. We ask, you know, just for like a $10 donation, keep the show running. It's a great way to keep the show going, guys. And don't forget, we've also got voicemail. 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. So, um, yeah, so send us, a, send us a voicemail. We didn't get any drunken voicemail rants over Bits Weekend. I thought we had uh, the threat of one. Okay, well, we got an email from uh, what, two of the guys from England, um, Chris from the, the Black, Black Sun, Sun, and I forget who was with him, and I feel bad. Chris Tomlin, there's, uh, no, but there's it wasn't, Snoop Dom, there's... Uh, no, I don't think it was one of the other guys from the Black Sun, though. But it wasn't I Diesel, who, was it? No, it wasn't Diesel. Someone had sent me a text, actually, or a d- private message saying, what's the number, and I gave it to him, but I think... The international thing or something must have made a mistake because I never got that call. So maybe they're too drunk. Yeah, if you want to send another call, Jens, if you wouldn't mind recreating the experience of that night and attempting to call us again, yeah, that'll work. That should be fine. The joke might be over, but we'll still take the call. All right, hey, you know what? Let's take a quick, quick, quick break and then come back with our news and rumors and stuff and things. All right, all right. All right, so I guess we'll use this old army book as a hill, and uh, we'll use this soda can as the Dark Tower of Darkness, okay? Take your gaming to the next level with Weird World's Terrain. Our products are handcrafted and cast in lightweight, durable plastic resin that's sure to stand up to the rigors of battle. We're adding new products all the time, so if you're tired of the same boring hills and forests on your table, make Weird World's Terrain your destination for tabletop wargaming terrain. WeirdWorldsTerrain.com. What's your world? Check this out. And we are, are back. Okay, so um, news without a paddle. Oh, that is true. Um, all right, uh, news and rumors. Well, yeah. the big news, honestly, is or the big news from GW is that uh, Saturday, forty k sixth edition is releasing. I gotta admit ignorance. I haven't seen very much, but I know that it has taken the the gaming world by storm. You uh, can, if you look on the GW site, they've got the picture of just the main. Now they had. The Fancy Pants Edition, mm-hmm. and then the Stupid Fancy Pants Edition. Yeah. And they're, like, sold out, like, on most of their f- different sites. Like, I know England sold out, UK sold out. It's not listed on the American site anymore. It was up there on Friday. It ain't there now. It's Monday. Okay. So that means they've sold out, apparently. Um, but the main rule book is 7425. It's 452 pages, full color. Sounds very much like the 8th edition book, then. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, you can go look at the book, and it's got a couple of different picture, pictures of the pages. And the, I mean, it's that full color. The artwork's incredible. It looks it looks really nice. Um, I'm I'm hoping that the new players like their new set of rules. Let's hope so. Well, we know Brian Steele is a big player, and he's a big supporter of the game. I mm-hmm. mean, he's always been vocal about I have concerns about this rule or I have concerns about this, but mostly he's a very big fan of the game. Exactly. In fact, I would say that's his main hobby right now. Yeah. Um, and he seems to be thrilled with the proposed changes. They uh, there's a psychic powers deck for sale thirteen twenty five. Fabulous! <laughs> Yay! Uh, okay, so let's move along. Forge World had the one new release. It was last Friday. Was the, it the Puritan? The, the Prayton? P r e y t o n. Prayton. Stag Dragon. Uh, yeah, I was reading a bit of it. It's in the Monstrous Arcana. I just didn't pull it all out. It says the Bretonians fight it. Uh, find them in the forest and fight them quite a bit. It's a bit of a spirit. Uh, it does seem like a Bretonian creature. It's twenty five pounds, so about 40, forty bucks. Yeah, it it it's a cool looking model. I know a lot of people are like, "Wow, that's awesome." I'm I'm kind of cocking my head. So I'd like to see that one painted. I don't dislike it. It's just I like I do like that one. Uh, but then again, I also have. A Bretonian penchant. Yeah, Sergeant Steve, Frenchie. Christ. We. I don't think this news and rumors could be complete though without bringing up the big capital M. Mantic. Holy cow! What have you done? Ended up with fifteen hundred sixty-eight backers. Three hundred and fifty-four thousand. Nine ninety-seven. Yeah, three hundred fifty-five thousand front. Somebody should have thrown. If I would have known, I would have thrown in. Three oh, bucks. I would have thrown in three bucks. That was amazing. Uh, but the 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 really scary part is like the last fifty or sixty thousand came in the last day and a half. I mean, when they ended the one and they hit two seventy-five, we're like, all right, they could maybe hit three. There's like. 28 hours left, 30 hours left. Then they hit three by that night, and then they set a goal at 333, 333, and they hit that, and then they hit the 350. It's sick. Yeah, their intended goal, guys, in case you're not, in case you weren't paying any attention to this, their intended goals, they went on Kickstarter and they put down a $5,000 pledge goal. This is what we're hoping for. We're hoping for 5000 bucks, And if we do, this is what we're offering. Which is a great idea. We need this extra money so we can get the books out. We can get more printed, more of the books printed. So we have more available, so we can not only fulfill all our pre-orders, but when the inevitable happens and your friends see this and say, I, "This is a good game," I need the the main rule book's only thirty five bucks. It's the uh-huh. it's less than the cost of some of our army books, and it's got every army in it. Someone's going to pick that up. Thirty five bucks for everything you need to play the game except the models. There's no you know, so they'd have enough. And on the first day, they got ten grand. <laughs> they so. Apparently, in the email that we got, they ran through the, they chewed through the three-year plan and started rushing guys to get the four and five-year parts up and going, because they've chewed through their entire five-year plan is like shot out the window. They've got, they've moved up the timeline by like four years because of all of this. Because of this, they actually had their on-staff artists working overtime just to create the new concepts. Like everything that we saw when they put it on the web. I mean, I think the ink was still drying on those. Yeah, no kidding. If you gave even more, those single units became little. You know, the single mo- excuse me, single models became a unit. So once you hit 175, you got five of those. Oh, and some of them only came it with at like some of the at the very end those last few perks. Yeah, because they're going to be those bigger models. Um, they were only at the 175 or 225 pledge level. So 
Um, then they had the Five Mounted Knights, the Abyssal Golems that just came out. You're going to be getting some of those. Pretty happy about that. Uh, yeah, because you could even maybe use them as uh, fire Fireborn. Yeah. Uh, human Palette. So it went from three or from one of these things to five of most. Um, and then at 25, 225 or more, we got uh, the Cat Cavalry and a Goblin Mincer, which almost looks like... It looks like a couple of animals pushing a cart just with lots of blades type of things sticking off of it. Like, I couldn't see the concept art very well, and it was on my phone, and it was small, and I couldn't zoom in for some reason. But it's called a Goblin Mincer, and it's like lots of pointy things coming at you. What's nice about this is we have plenty of armies that can serve as, uh, you know, serves as armies for Warhammer Fantasy, but now we're starting to see models that are very specific to Kings of War. I mean, they're really starting to develop their own... Storyline, their own their own characters, their own units that only work in that game. And one of the things so I love is it's taking on its own personality. They announced that Angel Army, and I think I'll, I think you were thinking I'm thinking Angel Army. So you're going to have angels, and you might have you know they might separate them as Seraphim and the that's, Cherubim. And I was picturing an entire army of angels fighting what, an entire army of demons. That's what I assumed as well. The fluff is even better though. It's a few angels coming down and leading an army of the faithful. So you've got human paladins. You've got nuns with with you know battle battle nuns, the which th- are the nice thing about this is when you look at the art, they went out of their way to not make them just poster gals in nun outfits. They're like, look, we want these people to look like we want these nuns to look like they are they, supposed to be wielding a sword. They look like women soldiers, except they're wearing the habits and the and stuff uh, over their over their armor. It's smoking. I mean, it's really it's great concept. So awesome. Yeah. Now, someone did point out, and of course you get this, well, listen, y'all here, Magic, this is not how they would have been. But someone did point out how they, wouldn't, they weren't allowed to carry swords. But at the and same true, time... when I, religious I, went into battle, they, weren't allowed, they had to carry maces that's true. and when, hammers. When angels did come down and lead human armies, I think it happened differently. And uh, I think it was different from well, the demon someone, armies, I think too. someone was just commenting on, because it's got, a, it's got a rather Christian or Catholic sort of look, looking influence with the nuns. I, and their whole thing was during the Crusades, there were paladins and, and priests who ran out, the warrior priests who ran to battle. Yes. But they were not allowed to carry swords. So they were just suggesting. I wouldn't mind seeing them with hammers either because the nuns with hammers. I'm just uh, suggesting that this is a fantasy fiction-based world and that maybe some of us should lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, I did I like the models either way, but I, I'm, I've always been a fan of the Warhammer over the sword. That's just me, you know. Oh, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, that's what I'm saying. Is someone oh, brought the, up the concept of the faithful general use blunt weapons yes. rather than weapons that slash? And right, drip. because they they weren't supposed to spill blood, but right. if they had to, and so I was a fan. And I got news for you: you hit a dude in the head with a hammer, there will be blood. Yeah, but that was the thing with the mace. That's what I learned in my history class freshman year. My teacher was so cool. You get that mace on a chain, and he could run up and spin it, and he could hit you. But the problem is, the maze would hit the side of your head and crack your skull, but the chain, because it wasn't a solid object, it wouldn't necessarily break the skin. So it would kill your ass, and you'd get a huge bruise welling up there, but it wasn't sharp, and it wouldn't necessarily always break the skin. So therefore... They could... Medieval technology is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just it was one of these cool things. And guys, if you are a history major... Or any of that stuff, and you're listening to us right now, and I have said something grossly, horribly wrong. Yeah, deal with it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I'm just. Don't get mad at me. It kind of reminds me of that scene from uh, Austin Powers number two or three or whatever <laughs> one it was, where Basil 
turns to the camera and says, and maybe we should all just pretend it's not a problem with this plot and just deal with it and lighten up. <laughs> That's in part two where they're doing all the time travel. That's right. All right. So, no, but uh, congratulations to Mantic. Man. Yeah, so it'll be Christmas in a few weeks. We're going to start getting stuff in the mail, and I'm very I'm excited so about excited. it. So for those who did participate on the Mantic uh, Kickstarter, if you are a backer, then you should be looking in your email. There should be one. Uh, hopefully you've saw it by now. I mean, I got it today, and you guys with, probably won't see the PDF. With the PDF. So there's a teaser PDF in there. Uh, be sure to respond to their survey because that's how they're going to know what you want. Otherwise, you just spend a lot of money for nothing, dummy. So I can't think of any other news and rumors at the moment. I'm just so excited. I'm going to be getting all this cool undead oh, stuff. Oh, my and gosh. Mantic, okay, here was the genius. We were discussing this before, too. I now have a couple of units for my undead, but now I've got a couple of full units of some elf stuff. I'm going to get, in fact, we both did 225. I originally did 100. So did and, I. But this month I got an extra paycheck, so I was able to spend a little more at bits, and I was able to kick a little extra into the, into the Kickstarter. So yeah, I I also went to two twenty five. I went to one seventy five so that I could get the extra, and then all of a sudden, like two twenty five was pretty cool. Basically, what happened was there was a couple other things I wanted to order. I knew it was going to get to two hundred. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I might as well do two twenty five and get the other bonus prizes too. But now I'm going to get uh, you know a unit of dark elf or a, a twilight kid twilight kid uh, calf. I'm going to get a unit of elf calf. I'm going to get a couple of elf units. I'm going to get four or five. Units of this angel army. Mm-hmm. That's right. They've given me just enough to look at, decide if it's cool enough that I want to paint it, and then after I got a few units, especially since I don't, let's face it, their models are dirt cheap. We've been saying that for almost two years. If I've already got four or five units, how much more is it going to cost me to buy four or five extras and have a full-on army? And the cool thing is, with all the money at their disposal, the models are going to start looking nicer because they're going to put more time into the quality of the model rather than, you know, the metal is the cheapest, but sometimes you don't get the best mold. Plastic is better in this, and the resin, the plastic resin is even better than that. It's sprueless. So the quality of the models is going to get better. Right. Except that all the money was used up front to pay it from Kickstarter. So right. in theory, we shouldn't have to see a price rise. Yeah. So it's it's paid for, kind of. Yeah, I, like I said, I can't. I'm so, I am so excited. I'm going to order some some wound tokens. And might I suggest that, folks, if you did give to Kickstarter, remember, if you're playing Kings of War, if you're not just buying this as army extra models for other armies, Kickstarter wounds are cumulative from round to round. So you're going to have to keep track of how many wounds every unit has. You don't take models off the table. Pick up some wound counters. or seven fifty for a bunch of wound counters. I know I'm ordering two sets of those and you two know, sets of I, dice. I didn't do that, but what I was going to do instead was, you know how every sprue has a dead guy? Uh-huh. I was going to make a little tray with, like, paint up the dead guy and have, like, a little sort of scoop next to it. Like, you know how uh-huh. my collar board looks? Right. And where I can put glass beads so we can count oh, it. Oh, that would work, too. But I wanted, to, I wanted to actually utilize specifically the, the, the dead, dead, guy, the dead guy counters. That's cool. Like I said, I just... I knew I had about twenty-five I wanted to spend to hit the two twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So two sets of wound counters and two extra sets of dice is twenty-five bucks. Although I admit, there's a part of me that wants those wound counters anyway. I'd like to see how they look. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to sell them anyway. So yeah, I'd like I to see how they look. Figuring I'm picking them up while they're you know while they're cheap while they're on the cheap. Well, I got the two twenty originally. This is actually something that bothers me because I was really looking forward to those orcs. Uh-huh. And then and then when they actually included a way to buy abysmal abysmal. Abysmal <laughs> They are pretty abysmal. Uh, you ab- and your loser army. Shut up. Oh, they're not a loser army. I think we've proved they're pretty broken. Pretty good. Oh, you're talking about the chaos dwarves now. Chaos dwarves, abysmal dwarves, you know what I mean. 
Well, I when they included the capacity for me to buy the Abyssal Dwarves, I, I had to because I intend to play them next year at Adepticon. That's, I'm going to be in the Kings of War tournament. You and me both. Big cash prize, guys. So don't forget, big cash prize, guys. You should play in Kings of War because there'll be a <clears throat> big cash prize, guys. So uh, I'm going to be in that, and I'm going to have fun with it. But I, you need to have at least half of your models from Mantic, and I'm, that's fair. Okay. so Which I've totally got. Down. Oh, you've got it down. I, I, and I've got it down now. A couple of my elites... A couple of my elites are going to be, you know, my Black Knights and my Blood Knights. But uh, I have 200. I will soon have 250 Mantic Zombies, 100 Skeletons, about 50 Revenant Guard. I have 100 Mantic Ghouls. I could take all of my... Oh, and I have, um, what, three of the Skull Throwers. They're uh, the Catapults. Catapults, yeah. The the Balefire Catapults. Mm -hmm. So, basically, if I use my just... Oh, and the... I'm going to be ordering up mummies and werewolves. I have the I have the Mantic Wraiths. Before the GW had put out good Wraiths, when they had the other Wraiths that I didn't care for as much, I bought a bunch of the Mantic Wraiths. So outside of a few bits of Cav, my army is all Mantic. So I am I'm ready to go and try to win some win something at that. Uh, excuse me at that tournament. I'm I'm really looking forward to that tournament. Oh, I'm excited. Well, the nice thing is with, yeah, you, like you said before, with all these different models, it's going to give us a chance to paint different things, try out different paint techniques. I think my werewolves are going to end up in a necromantic blood bowl team. Nice. I kind of want to play them for some reason. But uh, all the other different armies are, um, they're very appealing to me, especially those angels, uh, which yeah. I'm going to play before Harrison over there. I know he's listening and he's going to be irritated with me. Anyway, we should probably get off the Mantic conversation eventually, but I'm so excited about it, I can barely contain myself. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, I can't think of any other news and rumors. How about you? No. Uh, I mean, and it's really been quiet. I mean, it's gone to dead silence right before the 40K release. I mean, why don't we uh, why don't we take ourselves a quick break and we can come back with uh, the garage manager section, which is brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. Back, 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 You know, if we make it a contest, we'll just keep saying that more. I will win that contest. Because I will just, if it takes 10 minutes, I'll do it. And our listeners will hate us. But that's the Oh, were we competing? Oh, I was, you know, sometimes I just keep going. I was trying to harmonize. Oh, I was like, he's going with me. This is awesome, because normally I do that, and you're like, okay, enough. I'm going to throw something at you. I ran out of things to throw. Oh, I'm man. all out of rage. <laughs> Come on, GW. Raise me some prices or put out a crummy model. I know. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't raged quit G- something from GW in weeks. Oh, since the last time we were on... um. FAQ for your oh, Kadai Destroyer. Good point. I yes. just remember that. Uh, I think there was something else in there besides Part the Kadai. a little more cold medicine. Drink, no, no, drink it. Chug it. Chug a lug. No, so, okay. Uh, for those who are aware of the Kadai Destroyer, 
one of the most powerful rules that it contains is the ability to shrug off wounds. If you are strength four or less, this is the old version, strength four or less, and the attacks are not magical, the old version was you simply couldn't wound it at all. Because plus one. It was, you, you suffered a minus one to wound it if your attacks were not magical. And if you just look at the math at the table, if you're strength four or less, you can't wound this toughness six creature. Yeah. Well, there were some concerns, shall we say, over that rule, so they changed it. I, I kind of think they almost got, it almost made them a little better, not worse. It is better. Yeah. I, won't, I won't lie. Uh, the difference is, guys, so instead of not being able to wound at all, the new rule is, okay, if you are not a magic attack and you do wound successfully, they have to be re-rolled. So those of you who were only wounding on a six in the first place, you got 12 hits, two wounds. Now you're wounding on a one in 36. Now now you got those two wounds, you've got a one-third chance of doing even a single wound. The difference is, though, to be fair, like it, it means that if I'm charging those spearmen and you've got a block of 50, you still have a 1 in 36 chance of wounding me as opposed to no chance. Right. So arguably, yes, that's better. But now the guys who have... Now, magical attacks aren't affected by this at all still. Magical attacks are still don't have to be re-rolled. Magic attacks just come right through. You want to make sure that you know, you've know you got something that is going to... Go, like I said, against demons and stuff like that where everything in the army is magical. When going to a tournament, the same rule that you would take something magical to deal with ethereal also applies to a Kadai Destroyer. Exactly. Um... But for so many armies, that are, or so many units that are going up against it, uh, I'm hitting him. You know, I've got strength five guys with great weapons, or something stupid like that. So now I'm, or I'm charging in with lances. Right. Strength four. Now I'm hitting at strength six. What's the Kadai's toughness? Six. So you'd wound on four, but have, then I got to re-roll them. That's right. And it's just like suddenly the guys with the big strength, who even, those were the guys I wasn't worrying about. Now even they're only going to wound half as much as before. And that makes it better because, frankly, that means like I could charge into some minotaurs and be less worried. Swordmasters. Swordmasters. Oh, absolutely. Swordmasters hit at strength five with the two attacks. Uh, What is it? In fact, uh, I charged into uh, Swordmasters this tournament, and uh, I wasn't afraid of them because of that rule. White Lions, they're hitting at strength six. Yeah, and their attacks, unless you make their attacks magical, I'm less concerned about it. And even if you do get the wound through, I still have a four-plus ward. (laughs) It's a dirty, dirty job, but somebody's <laughs> got to do it. So, yeah, so they actually, every anyone can wound them. It's fairer, but it's still a dirty creature. And it's it, a filthy it, monster of shadow and fire and lava. It's just a nasty. Oh, I had to take a shower after every game, but it, it was a good, luxurious shower. <laughs> it's all right, Dave. I don't think you lost any game as bad as I lost my last one. I think, honestly, if you add up all the points I gave up, I think I gave up less than 2,400 points in the tournament. Like, I gave up less than my army's point value total after five games. I I didn't... Well, well done. I didn't quite earn my army's point value in five games either, but we'll get into that. Oh, it was it was it was weird. It was such a weird experience. We'll get into it. Well, Well, why why don't we start the uh, manager section? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we both finished our armies for modeling. Boy, <laughs> for we the sure did. There we go. Well, t- tell people what you made. Um, well, I already had the ghouls. and the, So I, I did 10 uh, black knights. And they, they're table ready. And they're ta- I want to go back and work on them some more. And they are the, the models are schmaltzy. They're, they're so the old ones. It's, and hard to, it's hard to polish a turn. Well, here's the thing. Greg Person won player's choice at bits. And I don't want to jump the, jump the shark on this. But he was bringing... 
He's bringing uh, vampire counts as well. Yeah. And he had the new Black Knights. And remember when they first came out, I said, they're pretty much the same sculpt, but they're done in plastic, so they're thinner. They are, in essence, the same sculpt, like the same style, the same look, the same sort of bits and shape. Yeah. There's just no comparison. Mine look stupid. I mean, there's compared to... Well, you, you didn't sculpt them. You're just trying to paint them. Yeah. And then I saw Greg's, and I was like, I got I to gotta find some some horses to use for the, the extra black knights that I have the new ones. Cause I'm just going to, I'm going to paint the new ones real nice. I think I'm going to spend the time on them. Well, if you ever need to put some uh, black knights in the back rank, you can use those then. Exactly. Um, Coven throne is done except for the three handmaidens. Okay. I, I set it out there without the handmaidens on it. And I just put my general on it because he was writing it anyway, which is a good thing I did because the only time it blew up, he didn't. So he was running around on foot. So I was glad I had him. Um, I didn't do the handmaidens because they're really beautiful sculpts. Those three handmaidens are fantastic, and I'm gonna take the time to make them look really top notch. Um, well, I saw your coven throne; it looks really good. Well, thank you, thank you very much. I've a couple of people came up and actually asked me. People who I respect as painters asked me. What I did to get that ethereal look, so I was re- that I was like okay, and I told them like that's really simple. I'm like yeah, I could probably go through and spend a lot of time and going with some real layers and doing some like real highlighting on it, but it it works for what it is. So I don't know. Oh, I think it worked well. But uh, yeah, I had a 2400 point list that had <laughs> it didn't start off with that many models, but I'm glad I brought all 200 zombies with me. Let me tell you that. You needed them, huh? I needed most of them every game. That was fantastic. But so, yeah, I finished painting all that. Um, and now I'm taking a week off of all painting. Yep. But I am going to get back into it. I'm not going to stay off too long because I did see a lot of cool stuff there that made me want to keep keep plugging away at this and keep going with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm inspired. I think that was actually the theme that I heard from most people leaving bits. Um, I heard Domus and mm-hmm. I heard Tom McClure and a lot of other folks. That, I'm inspired. I I want to do something. I'm going to paint my nine Vargeists. I am going to finish my black coach finally, and then I'm going to finish building the Terrorgeist because, man, apparently everybody who wins a lot with this army has a Terrorgeist in it. Yes. So I think I need one of them. They were very good. I had no idea what they did. I completely forgot their rules, utterly. I knew they had some sort of scream, and I couldn't remember it's what it did. It's the Banshee Howl, yeah. It, it, was, uh, it was a winner. Yeah, it was really cool, so... Uh, but that's all my painting. And tell everyone what you finished, because yours looked awesome. Well, thank you. I did an Iron Demon, uh, Magma Cannon, Death Shrieker Rocket. Uh, I finished all 40, well, not finished, good enough for bits, meaning I still need some highlights, but uh, finished effectively my 40 Hobgoblins. Yep. What else was in that list? The Kadai Destroyer, which is just simply the Balrog model from Lord of the Rings. Um, that was the gist of what I did in... The few days I had left, uh, uh, that hot magma in the uh, which was that was that magma the, cannon? Iron yeah. D- was that the magma cannon that had that? Yeah, it was like the little pot, and you had it going from, and a lot of people would go from that yellow to the red, and you actually went all the way to white in spots. And did you make those little bubbly bubbles, or did that come as part of the model? It the bubbles were there, but um, the, like you know, the sculpt included a few spots that were like little waves where you could uh-huh. see it was kind of shimmering, but but no, so, that was. That looked so cool. Thank you. Thank you. I actually have some very old uh, GW glazes, 
and I finally get a chance to use them in that because I wanted it to be shiny. Oh, I, want, nice. I wanted it to look well hot. So yeah, it did. It was really cool. I was relatively happy with uh, the paint scheme for the for the war machines, and until the very last minute, I had no idea how I was going to get the effect I needed. It ended up being a simple like you know black base. Uh, I spazzed out on a dry brush and some bolt gun metal. And well, yeah. So of course, my hand was silver by the end of it too. <laughs> And then uh, I painted on the detail was with bronze, an old dwarven bronze that I had, and uh, what little devil and mud I had left to give it some weathering, and then touch-ups with a whole bunch of mithril silver on one billion little rivets. Oh, God, no, that's so cool. All I can see are rivets in my sleep now. But it looks so nice. Yeah, I need to go back, though, because the crew, I didn't have time to paint, so I had to use the old 4th edition crew. Yeah. Including one little blood bolt guy who kind of stood in the back and said, where's the ball? <laughs> Anybody got dodge, I'll tackle you. <coughs> he didn't do much. You seem to have decided to put the time into this to make this um, like your showpiece army. I do care about it. Exactly. So, And uh, I want to make sure that people know how much I appreciate the, the, the kingly gift that I received last <laughs> November. You better paint that thing well, Barnett. Well, I, I'm trying. They're not done it's, by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm definitely putting effort into it. The so. people who knew you and the people uh, that I was talking to at the tournament who knew you and who knew where you got that and some of the people I was talking to who actually had donated towards it, mm-hmm. they said, you know, <laughs> this Thales, well, we kind of hoped that this would inspire him to get paint. Maybe we could guilt him into painting. But um, the ones who saw it said that they were really, they were like, wow, he did a really nice job with it, too. He really took it and did a, a really nice job with what he was doing. Well, I'm not done. I've got uh, a little bit more to do for those guys. I've got to finish the crew. But that's for the next um, for the next right. level. you know. And I actually, you know what I've been wanting to paint of all things? Mm-hmm. You're going to laugh at me. I want to paint that giant. <laughs> I want to paint that siege giant with all those metal bits on him and yeah. stuff. Now yeah. that guy's going to be rusty. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's where you can do that. And uh, I tell you, I've been putting. That's one of the things I want to do with my black knights. Is I want I I did them all. I did them all solid black, and then just did some of that silver edging, so it looks like the the paint's been rubbed off the edges. But if they're being coming out of the grave too, I want to go back and go over all the metal bits and make it all rusted. And that's it's thin, so it'll take some time. But I actually found a rust technique back in a couple of months ago before GW canceled that you know, they had the Astronomicon on their website which is the you know all the articles yeah and it's not there anymore um but when it was I had downloaded and printed out a thing on how to paint rust so it's like I've actually got my rust technique down so I'm, that's kind of adding that into the I want you to show me that then. I think I have an idea of what you're talking about, but it's always easier when I see it happening. It's it's actually really simple. I'll even tell the listeners. When I want to do something rust, I go in with a scorched brown or very dark brown, mm-hmm. solid coat. Then I come in with a very light, almost like a dry brush of a slightly lighter brown, Yeah, just so it's hitting the edges and the pock marks and stuff lighter. Uh-huh. Then I take blazing orange of all things, put it on a brush, get it almost to the dry brush point, very light, mm-hmm. and then I stipple it on. And for anyone who doesn't know what I mean by stipple... You- you take a brush with a flat, not a pointy end, and you just tap it against it. You're so pushing that the, the bristles lightly against yeah, the surface. Yeah, so that the pointy... So it's being all these little dots of orange all over it. And that's the rust And the more you put there in the different spots, the more rusty it's going to look. Once that's dry, you just take your like your mithril silver, you get it on the edge, and you do it where you, where you just run it along the edge of the blade and maybe dry with a very light dry brush, streak it. Off the edge down, mm-hmm. so you get those streaky. Where this is where it's been chopping and it's been ripping away the rust. And it's the clean underneath. Done. That's it. It's it's dark brown, slightly lighter brown, blazing orange, and uh, the the metal edging. Cool. 
And, I mean, you've seen it on some of my models. It actually turns out looking, it's like, damn, that looks like an old, rusty. I may try that effect on the Siege Giant one, actually. You know, it has, like, two yeah. large claw-like appendages made of supposedly iron. So. You'll be pleased how it turns out. Because cool. I read it and said, that can't possibly look good. And then I did it and said, oh, my God, this looks fantastic. Cool. I will try that. So, Well, i got to do that. i got to do the uh, Dreadquake Mortar, which was in a lot of my early lists, but I had to take it out because of how expensive it was. I hated that thing I every st- time you took it against me. Unfortunately, it's uh, the same cost as both of my War Machines on my current list. Really? Yeah, it's very expensive. But there's a reason why. It's very good, but it's also it a giant target. It stops you from moving forward. If you're going to have a gun line and you got a couple of those, yeah. no, it's like, it it's just like guarantees an extra, you extra turns of shooting. You, the, the spell Ash Cloud from the Hashoot deck? Yeah. It's like casting that every turn except it's your gun. Part of it was also that I took dwarfs. Well, you can't march move. Or could you march move when the, when the mortar went off? You could move at half speed. And literally, turn five, I wasn't across the table at you, and you're just like, well, what can you do? Blah, blah, blah. I hate you! Well, we're, we're a dirty army. <laughs> yes. We're the, new, we're the new cheese. Oh, there was, they're, they're, they're tough. It, they, got, they got some really killer units in there. They're elite, but if you play them well and you, and you do... It uh, it can be brutal. Well, some interesting stories once we get into the bits conversation. But yeah, they uh, they they're so far so good. But yeah, anyway, that was my painting. So I've got all that stuff uh, effectively done for the moment. There's more to do, but yeah, I also am going to take about a week off from painting because, well, that's all I've done, and my back still hurts from just being hunched over for the for the last couple of days painting. Well, anyway, that was that's what I'm focusing on uh, taking a week off. I need a few days of uh, brownie points where it's, hi, hon, can't talk, got to paint. Hi, hon, can't talk, got to go to work. So I think I need a few days of, hi, hon, let's talk. <laughs> let's yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so after that, I'm going to try and finish the crew. I'm going to try and get that siege giant because I just want to. Because he's yeah. cool. No kidding. Because I want to play a fun game where I'm not worrying about a tournament. And I really want to just try him out. Oh, no. He's, he's, he's pretty awesome. He's actually. cool. He's going to get cannoned off the table first turn if I'm playing Ogres, but I just want to play him. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. Um, uh, so, reading. Uh, did you... I, I did some reading, actually. Did you do any? Not really. Um, these days, I haven't picked up a novel. I just can't have time. So the light painting. Yeah. Light reading. I think the last thing I brought to bed with me is just the old Mantic rule book. Just I'm trying to get back into that mindset. Uh-huh. I know I'm sort of I'm, I'm sort of walking the line between more than one game system. Obviously, we just did a whole bunch of Warhammer stuff, but I'm also trying to starting now think about what is it I might want to bring. I don't even know the points value yet for the tournament next year. Well, plus we've got all this stuff coming because of the huge Mantic Kickstarter, yeah. so it's kind of on our brains. I mean, I know what I'm going to field. I'm going to field the Abyssal Dwarves. I just don't know the percentages of what. So I'm trying to. Get back into that place where I'm getting familiar with the rules. Right. And um, they, I guess that's about it. What did you read? Uh, I finished Mechanicum. Finally. Took forever. Totally worth it. Loved that book. It was really good. Actually sat and wound up talking with Brian Steele for about 20, 30 minutes when I saw him over at Bits because I was like, wait, I don't get what the ending is. What's going on? And he's like, I'm like, I'm like, this was cool and this was cool, but what about, I'm like, because... It does leave it at the point where, well, where it leaves off is not, I mean, you're still in the year 30,000. It's not the Mars of the year 40,000. And I'm like, okay, so wait, so does this stay like this or does this change? Like, what's going on? Because I didn't know the fluff and he was like, oh, this is this and this is that. It was so cool. The book was so good. 
The book was really good. I'm actually looking forward to reading the next book in the series. Um, but I did stop because I have the Gottrek and Felix anthology. Nice. And uh, started it. You know, I've read a dozen of these books, and it, this, it's another book of short stories. The the okay, the first short story is about a third of the book, and the remaining nine uh, take up the remaining two thirds of the book. But I mean, you just start in, and I know the characters so well after twelve books, and you just start reading it. I haven't read anything. You know, I haven't, there hasn't been a new book out in a while, and Nathan Long's just got such a handle on it. He just comes right in, and you know, it's like. It's it, it's just it's comfortable. It's like you know, it's like putting on your old favorite pair of pants. You know, you know what I'm saying. It just it feels so nice to get back into this world and their stories. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad to hear it. I, uh, I and in fact, I kind of looked and said, oh, do I want to pick this up or do I want to read something else? Goldrick and Felix hit a punk with a stick, part two. Oh no, it's it's still good, and it's just it's so fun because I I, I, I know if you don't like dwarves, sometimes it's it, it I can see where it's not as fun. But just the way he talks to people, he's got that whole dwarf attitude, and he's a slayer, and he's just a cranky son of a bitch, too. He's a, arguably the worst possible slayer. Because he is, yeah, he's the most miserable of slayers. I did want to mention one thing that I, I just remembered. Uh, I got it over the weekend. I think uh, Brian gave us both a copy. Brian Steele, our good friend, is also he's working for Cool Mini or not. He's, yeah. he's really sort of putting a lot oh, of yeah. direction into Dark Age, but he's also uh, he's editor of the magazine Ravage, which is done by Cool Mini or not. So... I'm really enjoying it. It's really good. Yeah, I know. He gave me a copy of it, and I was reading it going, this is great. Uh, I mean, basically, it's just it's a chance for mag- for other gaming companies that don't have their own magazine. like. But it's it's independent, and there are even... I mean, there was Warhammer. There was Warhammer 40K. There was Dark Age Infinity. There was War Machine. It covered... It, it was Malifo. a... It's it's miniature games. Yeah, it covers all miniature games, but it's nice because it seems to be an outlet for some of the smaller miniature games companies that don't have a magazine. Yeah, because you can see that some of these articles that were in there. I know the Malifaux one seemed like it was someone from Weird Miniatures, really like you know like like they, it wasn't just the magazine just saying hey this is what's out now. This was it was a really nice spotlight and a way for these other guys who don't have a six-issue-a-year magazine or a, or a 12-issue-a-year magazine to sort of spotlight their stuff in a, in that format. I just, I loved it. It's a non-specific spotlight on all miniature games. Yeah, I have to say I really approve. Very well done, Brian. Very well done, Cool Mini or Not. I'm sold. It's a great magazine. A lot of good modeling articles yeah. in yeah. it, too. They had that whole section on just, you know, painting and modeling and different different techniques. It was It was top-notch. Yeah, I started reading it at the hotel, and I stayed up a lot later than I thought I was going to. I figured five minutes, and I'll be asleep. Was that like Saturday night? Yeah. I did, too. I yeah. went up there Saturday night, and Cranky wasn't up there yet, and I was I was getting ready to sleep, and I was like, I'm not 100% tired yet. Let me see what this magazine's about. Next thing I knew, I'm know, reading the magazine. It's I'm done. Like, I'm, yeah, it's like, okay, i got to go to bed now. And I'm <laughs> it's like an hour later, and I was like, damn it. But very well done. It's really weird we had the same experience with yeah. the magazine. What's your world? Uh, so, um, so gaming. I didn't do any non. In fact, I had to forfeit my last Blood Bowl game because I was out of town, and then luckily Joe gave us an extension on this week because of a de- uh, because of bits, or I would have had to forfeit the last game too. I haven't played the last uh, the last week for Blood Bowl, but the the second to last week I played against the Dark Elves, the Blood Barons. Right, five to one, baby. Oh my God! Who's your daddy? Really? Yeah, that's sick. I'm. Uh, I'm. I shouldn't ever brag. Ever. 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 I feel very comfortable with my high elves. So far, so good. 
So yeah, I'm doing well. They they I know how to make them, or at least historically so far, I've been able to make them a very high scoring team. Yeah. So I feel pretty good about it. Joe just keeps telling everybody that plays against me. He just keeps asking me. You know, so they foul out your because I you know I got one guy I'm working on one cast warrior with the you know claw mighty blow pile on. Mm-hmm. He's like, so anybody foul him out and kill him yet? Don't worry, he's gonna get fouled out and killed. Foul out. He's like, he's like, he wants him to die so bad. I'm like, dude, I've got one decent character on my team, maybe right now. If it makes you feel any better, mm-hmm. uh, the I played two games in a row against the number one spot, the Talabheim City Chiefs. Right. First game I beat him five to one. Second game I beat him three to one, and he was the number one spot. So, right. you know, I'm I did pretty well. Yeah. But the problem is in that second game. I have four catchers. The four catchers for me are my positionals that most often score. Right. Uh, they're one of, like, only four movement eight strength three players in the whole Blood Bowl game. Right. They're really good. Uh, they're precious to me. One guy was, like, big Papa Glorfindel, and he's, like, he's like block, he's got dodge, he's got catch, and I think he had sure feet. Right. He's a blodger that, you know, he's super fast. He just gets anywhere he wants to. Really great. Precious, important piece. Killed. And uh, then there was another one with just block and dodge, dead. And uh, then there was the third one, niggling injury. You know, right. so three of my four catchers are out for the next game. Uh, I I had uh, it was like two games ago. I played cranky. I think in sixteen turns, I had almost I had like o- just over forty pushes. Oh yeah, I couldn't catch a break. I couldn't knock anybody down. Break armor. I've lost. I think I got up one beastman killed in each of the last two games I played. Um, and to the point where he got killed, I didn't even bother with an apothecary because he only had like one skill. I'm like, screw him, let him die. Mm. I've got some money. I'm not even because I know as soon as I save him, one of my my good chaos warriors gonna gonna get killed. Yep. And uh, it was just it was. <laughs> I was lucky. Bad. I was in that place where I had the money to replace them. Right. But they're very expensive players. I mean, I had to drop 180 gold, you know, 180 k to right. replace those two catchers, and the third one had just had to sit out. Man. But but since then, since that uh, second game, the five to one with all those player points, I got um, one of my blitz. Like one of my, the niggle turned out to be not a niggle. It was a uh, minus one to movement of a catcher, which okay. is awful. Oh yeah. Normally I would cut him, but then the same game afterwards, my blitzer went up to movement eight. So I'm like, all right, you guys trade positions. <laughs> and then uh, another catcher got a strength bonus, so he's strength four now. Oh jeez. Movement eight, strength four. And then my um, my blitzer got a double, so he has mighty blow. So I've got the beat down high elf team. Oh jeez! <laughs> so we'll see what happens the last game. I hate your team. It's a good team. People, uh, you know, at high elves have like the worst fluff and the most boring looking team uh-huh. of all the blood elves. I mean, they're they're probably the most boring looking and least popular team in Blood Bowl, but they are an absolute hidden diamond. They're so good. Well, I guess a lot of it comes down to tournament stuff, though, because you've had to build that team to to make it. Yeah, the first couple of games they're not very good. They need that tweak. They need they need a couple of games, but once they get it, it's just it's just rocket fuel. I'm gonna need at least one more season. Chaos, yeah. Once get you get there, once you get there, though, it's gonna be hard to stop you. Yeah, once they're good, it'll be a freight train. But it's gonna, it's all these games that are getting me there that are just like ugh. With a stupid person in me, after this season, wants to play halflings. Really? Well, if really. I play a different team, I'm probably gonna play Nurgle. So. <laughs> oh no, I hate Nurgle I know, everybody does It's hard to play them, but they're really cool It's the, with a capital V uh, Defense team, the big yep. D 
There you go. All right, how about you? Other gaming? Nothing, no, huh? No. Nothing. Well, should we take ourselves a little break and then get in get into some other games? Yeah. Uh, we've each got some uh, games to talk about from bits, so... Why don't we uh, step out and jump right back in? Okay, cool. You've heard him on the show. You've seen his work on our website. He's Brian Steele, owner of Urza's Den. That's right, folks. Urza'sden.com. Custom modeling, sculpting, and painting. You got a model you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You got an army you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You can't come up with an idea for a conversion? Give his ideas a try. Heck, you got an army list with models they don't even make? Brian's the man. Give him a call. Check him out at Urza'sden.com. You won't be sorry. We're definitely back. Oh, Here we yeah. are. There's no stopping how back we are. Okay, so uh, Blood in the Sun was this weekend. Another excellent, uh, another excellent outing for Blood in the Sun. Yeah, it sucked. I'm not going to say any, a single word about it. <laughs> okay, well. Oh wait, that was not true at all. <clears throat> Blood in the Sun. We had. Uh, it was awesome. I think it was with 74 showed. I think 76 or 77. I think only two people didn't show, right? Two people didn't make it. So uh, one was Joey Cook, which is a friend of ours, which is weird. We none of us. I had no idea he wasn't. All I can assume is that um, is he putting caramel in a rainbow sherbet? Yeah, that's not ice cream, Harrison. That's sherbet. You just put caramel syrup on or caramel sauce on. You, that's that's not an experiment you want to make. That's yucky. Give it a try. Okay. Mm, oh, it's sweet bad. rainbow sherbet and thick salty caramel. Oh, the shrug. Anyway, <sighs> youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, no kidding. They told me you were intelligent, boy. <laughs> so we went to Bits, and um, it was uh, the the hotel was nice. Yeah, very comfortable. The restaurant was nice. It was it was a, it was a good it was a good venue. Uh, it was a great venue, actually. I've uh, you know, they um, had a nice tiki bar in the back, a yeah. swimming pool, exercise room. <laughs> Hastings and the Raj and them apparently. Yeah, they did. Jumped the fence, went in the pool, and got thrown out at four in the morning. That happened. Security, yeah. That actually happened, yeah. <laughs> There's a rush. What time is the pool closed? 10 o'clock. Is it 10 o'clock yet? It's four in the morning. <laughs> Just play dumb. Well done, guys. <laughs> so um, we got there. We took the pledge. We did indeed. We uh, we will have fun. Yeah, and um, we got to play. And uh, you and I, you started off on table number one. I did, and my joke, of course, was that's the first and last time that I would ever get anywhere close. And literally, that's true. Well, no, I mean that's not actually true. That's not actually true at all. It's not actually true because I use the word close. Yeah. So I started off on table thirteen against Brad Schwant Rellians Skaven, which I was playing under protest because I was put on table thirteen against Skaven. The fix was definitely in. Yeah, they definitely had it in. For I was you. unhappy about that, but uh, what are you going to do? Well, how did it go? With, uh, how did it go against the Skaven? Um, oh, jeez. Okay, I'm scared of the Skaven a little bit. I I I can get quite scared of them too. I actually had a lot of stuff that. Uh, you know, it was weird because he was running. Okay, he was running two gray seers with warpstone tokens. Um, one was all spells of plague. One was all spells of ruin. Because now there's that debate about whether or not you can, um, you know, because it says in the Skaven Army book that they can pick 
basically whenever they want how many spells from Ruin and how many spells from Plague a great seer wants. Right. And the army book trumps the big red book. There are others who say, no, that's not how it works, that you have to pick your lore before. So if you're going to, you know, basically you have to say how many you're going to take from each spell when you write your army list. Uh, and bits sided with the you're going to tell how many of each you're going to take when you write your army list. Which I like. So right. Brad just said, well, then screw it. I'll take one Grace here who's all on Plague and one who's all on... Two level fours. Ruins. Yeah. Well, that's the only way they come. So uh, he had two Grace Seers, uh, Warlock Engineer, um, level one. He had a Chieftain BSB, another Warlock Engineer with the Brass Orb, a Warlock Engineer with the Doom Rocket. And then he had 25 Vermin, 30 Rats, 40 Slaves, 40 Slaves, 40 Slaves, three units of 10 Gunner Runners, a Hell Pit, and two Warp Lightning Cannons. So it was like, ugh, ugh. I had some crypt horrors who were, you know, basically made the. Uh, I had a little 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 chap that was making the other gutter runners kind of run away. Uh, long story short, uh, I lost this game by 151 points. Wow! It was an 11 nine. Um, my crypt horrors really tied up his. He was so mad. We got into it with his uh, hell pit and my crypt horrors and. Uh, they just went on and on and on, and he couldn't kill it. He was rolling all these attacks, and either... What was he fighting it with? The Hell Pit against five Crypt Horrors. And he couldn't kill it. Uh, well, it was, he, you know, the 2d6 hits, and he'd roll and get a four. You ah. know, and then his stuff like that, or else he'd get a bunch, and then it was like, I, there was the one where I picked up with the, you know, five dice. Okay, I got a five-up regen. <laughs> oh, I saved four of them, and he was just, so he was only getting to do one or two wounds per turn. At the end of the game, Hellpit had one wound, one one, um, one Crypt Horror left with one wound. So he couldn't do that. You had caused one wound? No. It I had, had, it he had, had one, one wound left. left. I had one wound left in the unit. Wow. So we were just going back and forth. Um, he wound up just picking up... Uh, he, In fact, he managed to get... Uh, it was pretty much he got my... Uh, my he got one unit of zombies... And he got my Black Knights with uh, and with their banner, and that was pretty much it. Um, the Coven Throne did pretty well. Um, I think he, oh, you know what? I think he might have blown up the Coven Throne like on turn five. Like the the Lord still lived, so he got no points for it. Oh my God! Because it's the Lord and the Coven Throne. That's his mount. So he blew up the Coven Throne, but the Vampire Lord lived. So it was two hundred thirty points he didn't get. Um, I wound up charging that thing into the... Because, you know, we had the Coven Throne Challenge, basically. Take it and see what you could do. Yeah. Uh, I just kept running it right next to the Black Knights. I figured out they would pack the punch and this thing would come in and might even just really turn the tide if I could get that roll. This whole thing with the you know, contested willpower roll, I'm a willpower... Our leadership 10 going against the other... We both roll a D6, and the more my total beats yours by, the worse things get for you. You know, Skaven near a general is a leadership seven, and it's got three ranks, so it's a leadership ten. Yeah. So it just it wasn't coming in very effective. The Skaven tend to pass leadership tests, but I was just chopping the hell out of the unit. I managed to kill one unit of the slaves. Um, his one Gracier blowed up. Uh, I I ran through a couple of warlock engineers. That was basically the game. I got one unit of slaves, 
110 points worth of Warlock Engineers and a Gracier. And it wasn't even the general. It was the other Gracier. So it was uh, 460 to 611. Okay. I, I mean, I gave up 600 points. I mean, it wasn't bad. Um, it was just the Coven Throne, and it, it does take up a lot of points. And, I mean, you know, people are saying, how did it do? How did it do? It did okay. Uh, it's a 230-point chariot that gets two weapon skill, five strength, five always strikes first attacks, and 2d6 weapon skill, three strength, three attacks at initiative one. It's the chariots with impact hits. Five up armor save, four up ward. It's not that bad. Anyone who has to do a uh, roll to hit of any kind, shooting or wounding, has to take this leadership roll. And if you lose, you either lose one weapon skill, one ballistic skill for the combat, or you have to re-roll successful to hit rolls, or you just attack yourself and don't get to attack me at all. I never had that show up in five games, that one particular scenario happened. But I did get the reroll to hit rolls and the minus one weapon skill, and that can come in quite handy. Um, but uh, we can talk about the whole Coven Throne thing later, but it was okay. It was just, it was an 11 9, and, uh, you know, I, I. Tight game. Yeah. He couldn't get any points off me, but I was having trouble getting points off him, so. So you didn't quite have the teeth to deliver killing blows, but at the same time, because of the army, the way it was built, you're a very good defensive army? Exactly. The okay. two units that had the teeth, well, three, because the Coven Throne had the Lord on it, were the Black Knights and the Crypt Horse. Well, the Crypt Horse spent the whole game fighting the Hell Pit and not being able we to couldn't do get anything. any points of each other. Yep. And the Black Knights eventually died, but they ran through and chewed up some stuff, too, and that's that was... That was it. That was it. So, a lot of maneuvering and not a lot of... Tell the listeners what you took. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's my list? Oh, yeah, because like, oh, I took the Coven Throne. Uh, list, list, list. I know it's here. Hold on. Do, 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 do. Oh, we're okay. back. Okay. Uh, Vampire Lord. I took him as a level two because I just wanted to have a little bit of more ability to raise back some stuff. Um, he was on the Coven Throne. He had the Biting Blade, so minus one to armor saves. Uh, armor of Destiny. He had the Aura of Dark Majesty, so it was minus one to leadership for all enemy units within six inches, which helped. That's a good one, yeah. So that way nobody could have more than a nine. Uh, you know, even the Skaven were rolling one less than me, so I had a little bit of a help. He also causes terror, which turned out good because someone said to me, well, you're... Oh, and I don't think the... I don't think the Coven... Does the Coven Throne cause terror? I don't think so. Someone told me that the Coven Throne caused terror. I didn't think it did, but uh, even if it does... Um, you know, if you knock the Coven Throne out, he still causes terror. So, like, Ogre units still have to take fear checks and stuff when he's around. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Uh, I had a level 2 Vampire BSB with the Warrior Bane, uh, which I just wanted him to have a Magical Blade. It was five points. I mean, I never fought any monsters or other characters with him, so it never came into effect. He had the Talisman of Preservation. And then I had a Necromancer level 2 with a Dispel Scroll. And they all knew Lore of Vamps. So I had three level 2s. Okay. Uh, 20 zombies, 20 zombies, 20 skeletons, full command, 32 ghouls, a pair of fell bats, a spirit host, the corpse cart with the uh, bale fire, which came in quite handy, five hex wraiths, five crypt horrors, and nine black knights with uh, barding lances and the uh, banner. It was a fun list. Um, it's funny. People kept asking me as I was reporting on my games on Twitter, oh, would this be a good ETC points denial list? And I'm like, 
Yeah, kind of, but I could even tweak it here and there and make it a better points denial list. This was it was sort of kind of kind of sad in the middle. I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, so that, that's where it was. That, that's what I had in my list. That's what I was fighting everybody with. Okay. Well, you took it. I mean, you, you took it because you took the challenge to take the Coven Throne. And uh, I, it didn't do as bad as everybody said it was going to do. But it didn't give me enough oomph to let me do what I wanted you to do. You couldn't quite get off the ground with it. It was, it was, it was so frustrating. <laughs> but here, well, like I said, we'll look at that later. How did your first game go? Okay, well, my first game was against a good friend of ours. Uh, he's been on the show before, Aaron uh, Schmidt, for, who is also known as Zenite. Yeah, he was on our first two-part episode, the, right. the sculpting and painting episode. That's right. Uh, he took the High Elves. I was, of course, facing Chaos Dwarves, or fielding Chaos Dwarves. I took a level 4 Sorcerer Prophet of Hashut, took a Demon Smith Sorcerer, level 1 Fire. Yeah, handsome man, Grant Fetters, just Here joined he us. he is. Give handsome us, man just walked in. Give him a second to get his cans uh, and microphone ready. We just started talking about our games. Chris has given his list. I talked about my first game. Sorry about the beat-up headset. It is what it is. Yeah, basically. I want to turn that on. Click it on. Just flip it up. There you are. Hey, 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 hey. There you are. Can you hear yourself? Oh, I can hear myself. You can hear us. Are we too loud, too soft? Nope. You sound good. We're just right. Welcome. Welcome. Well, it's the man of the hour, the man with the the second successful tourney under his belt. Woo-hoo! Uh, uh, So, how how did you think it went, Grant, since you just jumped in? Oh, my God, that's such a big question for just getting here. <laughs> I walk in, and I was told to never try caramel syrup on rainbow sherbet. Oh, <sighs> did he finally admit it wasn't such a good combination? We were looking at him like he was retarded. Jeez, oh, How's Louise. that stomach of yours feeling, uh, Harrison? All right, so Grant's here. You know what? Uh, why don't we let Chris... Why don't we just... Well, before we jump to you, we'll Keep let Christopher run through his list, doing. and All we'll right. get to your first game. Well, like I said, it was a level four Hashid, level one fire, uh, Infernal Castellan, which is my BSB, uh-huh. uh, 39 Hobgoblins, the 30 Infernal Guard, the Hellbound Iron Demon, a Kadai Destroyer, <coughs> Magma Cannon, Death Shrieker, and uh, Akan, and five Wolf Raiders. And that was my list. Oh, and I fielded, it was against Aaron Schmidt. What did he take? He took an Archmage, a Mage, a Noble. Uh, which is his BSB? That one's on a on a uh, on a horse, I think. Uh, two times. Oh no, the mage was on the horse. Two times twenty-four sea guard. Two times eighteen sword masters. Fifteen phoenix guard. Six reavers and two great eagles. Okay. So the first game was actually on table one, and uh, that was kind of a thrill to be there. <laughs> so I got first turn and just shelled him. Uh, peppered his Illyrian reavers, and he had put his level two in there, uh, and they ran off the board. Oh, man. So then next turn, I peppered his unit of Swordmasters, and that's where the Kadai went. And with the new Kadai Destroyer rules, they had a hard time wounding me, meaning they couldn't. And I butchered them, and they ran away, and I killed them. (laughs) Jeez. And let's talk about the theme of the game, which was he just couldn't get uh, seem to get anything to work right. My magic was okay, and I beat the snot out of his poor guys. Oh, man. What did that game wind up being? That was an 18-2, plus I got uh, two objective points. I didn't even keep track of all the objective points. I didn't get a lot of them. Uh, and that was partly my fault and partly just some bad luck. Um, Aaron, I should say, Aaron's a tremendous opponent. Yeah. Uh, he, no, he's a great player. I think that uh, I think that the elven gods weren't going his way that game. Well, and he said part of it is he's been playing Flames of War for the better part of a year, so he hasn't actually played a lot of Warhammer lately. Yeah, not a lot of so T-34s he's on his side. Um, I did want to mention... The first four turns, 
neither me nor Relian had a magic phase of more than like five dice. So his two great seers couldn't do anything. I could barely grow. I would get that one spell off to grow stuff. But it was, I mean, I was like, oh, how could you say his list wasn't that bad? Two great seers coming after you. We didn't have magic till like the last turn. <laughs> there's a there's a magic item that actually automatically comes with the demon smith. Or the, I should say the, the level four. Uh-huh. It's called a dark forged weapon. And you have to roll for it randomly every game. Okay. And there's like six different things that can happen. There's one in particular. I'd never rolled it before, but I rolled it twice in bits. And I think it's, I don't know what it's called. The but fix is in. Oh, my God. So what it does is it allows me to plus one of my channeling attempts. So that pays off 12 times a game where it's like I channel on a five. I can't tell you the number of times it worked over and over and over. Oh, so my magic phase fives, was yeah. spectacular on a really good <laughs> magic deck anyway. And I was like, okay, I'll just land as flames of Asgore over here and an ash cloud over there. And I just had more dice. I could just outpower them. I've completely forgotten about that that rule. I've played two or three games now with my new Chaos Dwarves and... Oh, I didn't roll that once. Don't forget, you want to yeah at the beginning of the yeah, game. Yeah, you want to roll that up before magic. Uh, roll the dark forged weapon because it makes a big <laughs> difference. Really cool stuff. And if you don't get that, you might get uh, plus one to dispelling, which I also got, which is fabulous. So it's like, all right, I'm dispelling in a five. I only commit one die to this. Boom, got it done. Thanks. Good night. Oh man. So yeah. So, uh, but that was our first game each. You know what? Why don't we do this? We'll do two games and then we'll take a break and talk to Grant. About like what went on and and who was winning and who was doing great stuff. That we'll just break the tournament in, in half. We'll just do our first two and then our last three. Okay, sounds okay. good. Uh, my second game was against Dan Rudd, who brought uh, demons. He had a uh, bloodthirster with immortal fury. Uh, he had a uh, uh, herald of Zinch. And he was a level two. He was a uh, had a lore master of uh, beasts. Then he had 10 pink horrors, uh, 16 blood letters with a herald, uh, 28 blood letter no, 17 blood letters with a herald, so the unit 18, and then unit 29 blood letters with a herald, so 30 there, five flesh hounds, five blood crushers, ugh. Uh, and that was his army. Okay. Um, this was a game, um, it, was, it, was a, it was another tight game. It was a bit unfortunate because um, I think Dan and I were getting along really good and playing really good, but we had a lot of rules questions came up that kind of slowed the game down. Sometimes it just happens. And that I think way. once you get about five rules questions in on one game, uh, it eventually cost you a turn. It cost you a turn, and I think th- things got a little tense when they didn't necessarily need to, only because it was slowing the game down and it was getting frustrating because it was such a slow, uh, such a close game. Yeah. So, and I, I felt a little bad. Um, one of the things is. Um, he went with a. Uh, I, I cast. Uh, I some. I'd done some spell. I forget which spell. And he went to dispel it, and he took a, a low, a, probably a little, a, a one fewer die than he should have, uh, because he wanted to save it because I had more die left, and he only had a level two. And when he didn't reach my casting level, you know, he it, he didn't dispel. He d- didn't know that that wizard couldn't dispel anymore. So it's the rest of the phase he was dispelling at plus zero. zero. Right. And so. You know that that kind of screwed him a little bit. You know that's that's where you show yourself as a as a sports player is when you make a big mistake and you just oh well I have to roll with it right. I made the mistake I didn't know right and, but it was just it was there was a couple of them that came up and um, I'll, we, I'll have one of those later. Yeah. <laughs> we both made a few mistakes. Um, my biggest and everybody uh, uh, three tables around me stopped and was like, "What are you stupid? I don't play against demons. I didn't know this." 
I said, oh, you got your blood letter. So what do they got? And he's like, oh, well, you know, they've got their strength five, hatred. initiative five, mm-hmm. hatred, and their they're only toughness three. So like, okay, so their strength five is what their what's awesome. Toughness three is what's their the one weakness. Five plus word. And I, think I knew they had the five plus word. They magic have, resistance. They have killing blow. Oh, killing blow. Right. Well, I mean, the first round when I was killing, I killed his unit of eighteen of them. Like the killing blow thing never came up because they did a wound and I, they were fighting against, like I think ghouls, and so it was just like they just took them off. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there was one point at the end of the game. My, he, he had one big mistake and I had one big mistake, which made it close. I charged into his thirty bloodletter horde with my coven throne and my black knights. Oh, like, Jesus! But okay. my black knights were flying in there, dude, and they were going to. I mean, you know, they got a two-up armor save. Mm-hmm. I'm like, even if he hits me, I got a four-up armor save, right? You need a ward save. I get in there with the, the now the coven throne uh, between the lord and the throne. I kill like nine off the back. Sure. So now he's just which got, is especially good considering that they have the ward save. Right. So I'm like, oh, this is doing so good. And now he's got something like twelve or fifteen attacks. And he's putting them all on the blood knights. He winds up getting ten wounds. He picks up his dice, rolls them, and gets nine sixes. And he's like, well, killing blow. And I only had nine in the unit. And I was like, what? They have what? He's like, killing blow. I was like, you're kidding. He's, and, they all, and, and that's when everyone stopped. I'm like, what are you, stupid? Because that was just like the last turn. The, t- the game was ending down. This was it. So I pulled 324, 314 plus a banner right off the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this game was tight. And as tight as... I actually won this. I gave up 536 points. He gave up 568 points. So this was a draw. It was a it was a 32 point difference. Which had I beat him by 32, had I not charged that in, I would have beat him by 350. Oh, his big mistake was he charged his blood crusher into the back of my unit of skeletons with my two characters, thinking he's going to chop them up and get the characters. Mm-hmm. And I challenged with the the skeleton champion. So he he couldn't decline it. He fought that he got the one point for the champion, the five points of overkill. Uh we did the combat res, okay, but I had three ranks and a banner and the BSP, so I only lost like another model. And this is where this is like the like the final rules question that got where it was he wanted to do his thunder stomp too. And um we let it go, but it was like, well if you're in a challenge, the only thing you can thunder stomp is the guy you're in a challenge with and you've already maxed out all your points against him. I don't know, Grant? How would you rule that? <laughs> I, I remember that actually coming up, and we didn't find, for the speed of the game, we were looking for a little while, and... I didn't find uh, either, for, so for the sake of the game, that's where I was just like, well, fine, we'll it, just It seems like off. the challenge is over the moment you kill the guy, right, but if there's another attack... initiative, and then yeah, the but, Thunderstorm but if you're in a challenge, always strike last. But they also had the rule, like, if you have a rider and a mount, if the rider goes first and kills the kills the guy in the challenge, the mount is oh, not allowed okay. to attack anybody else. The mount is, gets no attacks because it was in a challenge against one-on-one. Like so said, I, that, would, that exact- I would think since, since it's still coming from the same guy, I thought, that was my thought. Well, I got off the the invocation, and the first thing you do is bring back the champion. Right. So the next round I challenged again with the champion. And so basically I just kept holding him off because at that point I had enough static combat res where he just couldn't. So he was frustrated because he had this this bloodthirster of corn running amok on the field, and I was just tying him up with one skeleton a turn. That was all I could do. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I had I, mean, I couldn't kill that thing. <laughs> I had skeletons and zombies on the table. Well, that's what you do. It's how you slow him down. But uh, so that's that's how our game went. And like I said, he was he was uh, it was another 
another case of I was able to do some damage, but not enough to take a decisive win. And uh, but he couldn't he couldn't wipe out these huge. I just kept growing more skeletons and zombies, and he couldn't wipe them out. This was the game where I realized and actually went back to my old seventh ed stand. But I remember in seventh, I would just summon zombies left and right. I didn't actually take any of my list. And now I have so many in my list, I'm like, why would I want to bother summoning them? And uh, I was summoning them just to use them like eagle, like we use the eagle blockers. Redirectors. Yeah. And they, Speed bumps. They were, they, that, that's, that, that, be, that and then the ogre game I played in game five, that's what started saving my bacon, hmm. was throwing redirecting units of ten zombies into front of monsters and saying, go, take it. You can't, you can't, you can have them. They're not worth anything. But uh, long, yeah, that's way too long of a story. So wh- how did you do in your second round? Second round, I played against a guy named Joel Mousseau. Uh, Joel's actually from the area, so really great guy. Okay. I, I'd like to play him again. He's terrific. So, Joel, if you're out there, thank you for a terrific game. He plays dwarves. He had a lord. Uh, let me see. Oh, no, excuse me. That's not right. It's a rune lord. He had a thane, which I'm assuming is his BSP. Yes, it is. The Looks like how many? Where's the quantity on his list? Looks like 40 dwarf warriors. Uh, looks like actually two of those, two units of those. I can't really read his list very well here. Looks like 40 times 40, so two units of 40 dwarf warriors. Looks like a um, cannon and another cannon <laughs> and a grudge thrower, some hammers. Looks like how many? Where is the quantity? It doesn't matter. And then uh, an organ gun. So he was, in theory, going to be able to outshoot me, especially with the engineers, especially with... Uh, the fact that you can ruin them up and make them magical, which was what I was concerned about. And uh, the one saving grace is that one of his cannons was flaming. Which, of course, means that I don't care about it because my Kadai just shrugs it off. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up taking that cannon and shooting at other things, like my Iron Demon. Uh, I think by the time my Iron Demon got into some combat, it had four wounds taken off from all the cannons. But, that being said... Uh, this game, he also had, I believe, a grudge thrower. Luckily, I think on turn one or turn two, that thing misfired and blew up. So that was like three points for me. One less war machine I had to worry about. Kadai was able to more or less wipe out whatever unity crashed into. So I started dealing with the warriors. I landed a... What did I do? What did I land in it? Oh, a Flames of Asgore, which is a spell from the lore of Hashut. Strength six... I threw six. Grant's shaking his that head. That spell is just crazy. Yeah. It's, I remember that. I think it was when you cast that spell on my warriors that I was like, I need to play that army. Yeah. Well, the exact <laughs> same thing happened. I picked up six dice and said, let's just do this. And uh, So wait a minute. You you found a, a spell that's over the top and broken, and it made you want to play the army? I want to play that army. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 okay. I've said enough. I'm just going to pull it back. <laughs> no, no. I will completely admit. So... The ogres, I started playing the ogres simply based on the models. When that first white dwarf came out, I was like, oh, yes, the models. And now they're broken. So or everybody I, says I, they're so I strong. Will, I will back you up 100% on that because before we saw anything from the book, you looked at those models. I, I was there with you. We were looking at the computer. You came over, you would, you would come over for something. I was like, dude, the new models are looking at me like, oh, I'm starting that army. And you're like, and you looked at me, you're like, I'm starting that army. And I'm like, you're starting that army? He's like, I'm going to actually have to buy. New models, like from the game <laughs> from, store, because yeah. Grant is a Grant is a notorious, n- notoriously good eBay and used model buyer. That isn't this the first army that you bought 
Like yeah, yeah. From, first army that I bought from, and even a couple of them I bought off of eBay, but most of them, the Morn Fang and the to be like two a, beasties, or you yeah. need to be like a game consultant. So yeah, but you don't, don't buy it this way. Your let me, let me help was, you. Uh, you bought a, 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 pre, a previously owned army, and your warriors were a lot of it was previously owned. Yeah. And but this, this is, uh, the Chaos Dwarves, though, to to wrap it up, the Chaos Dwarves I'm taking to be a a, a gamey turd. <laughs> And God love you for it, because <laughs> they're strong. Well, they're, they're awesome. They are really good. For those who don't know the spell, Flames of Asgore, you can cast it at two levels, small template or big template. But whoever gets hit with it, it's strength six. And in the center, you have to take, like, a toughness test at minus two or just freaking die. No nothing, die. Just die. Take it off. Die. <laughs> and uh, I like that spell. That's a good spell to cast. So I cast it on this big, gigantic unit with his uh, characters, and I wiped down from whatever it was, 40-something to... 18 left. Jeez. So, smear. I, mean, I think each each strength each strength six hit is D6 wounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it is in the current metagame with the ogres, the warriors, you know, all sitting in, as being strong armies. I mean, strength six hits. With D3 with D6, wounds. Yeah, that'll D6, wipe out. Think, yeah. That'll yeah, wipe out awful. ogres. That'll yeah. wipe out anything. Uh, yeah, the demigriffs or whatever they're crazy. called. Those will just go away. So I, with that in mind, I was able to take out... He had three big units, and they were all looking like they could be problems because they were all bigger than my big unit of Chaos Dwarfs. So that more or less deleted the first unit. The Kadai Destroyer made short work of the second unit, and then I just started shelling the third unit, and uh, I did a pretty good job of cleaning them up. And, uh, of course, after that, the Kadai was able to follow up and take out cannons so that I didn't have to worry about that anymore. Iron Demon was able to shell things down so that they weren't a problem. It was just... It was, uh, it was kind of a clockwork game. Wow. Yeah, it really, I think that one was, um, uh, I didn't score everything. I think there was something that was running away, but it might have been a 17-3, and then I got a lot of objectives from that one. I want to say I got nearly all the objectives I was supposed to. Nice. So I don't know if you noticed, but on the website, um, under the results for each round, uh, Steve actually put your results from each round on there. Oh, I don't know if I've explored that yet. Yeah, okay. yeah it's pretty cool. I was I was looking at it, and I'm like, hey, what is that little in parentheses? Oh, that's the score you got. Yeah, oh, no, that's, that's cool. cool. There was a yeah. couple of upgrades, like the little things, too, where they listed where you can click on each of the different, like the battle so points of the comp, and you can sports. sort them by scores. And I don't know if you just saw, while you were, you've been recording within the last hour or so, Steve updated the your strength of schedule, so you can now see your strength of schedule on the website. And you know what? Hats off to Steve. I know he doesn't really listen too much, so he's not even going to hear this, but someone suggested this morning, they were talking about how do you figure strength of schedule. And is I, I don't even know what that means. Well, you know, well, you know, you get these things where, yeah, you won, but you played a lot of easier opponents than I played. And people, well, how do you judge that? So what they do is, um, they will total up your opponent's total battle points for the game for the. Ah. So whatever your to- what your five, let's say you played five guys and their total battle points, they got wiped every game. They walked okay. away with like. You know, ten battle so points. So then it have a very low strength of schedule, right? Whereas if if someone else played five guys who each wound up with you know sixty points apiece, well, that's three hundred. My strength oh. schedule was three hundred. Well, then mine should be pretty good, actually. Yeah, because the guys you pl- two of the guys, yeah, the- my two losses were number one and number two. Yeah, so. So your strength of schedule is pretty high. I imagine it should be. Cool. The only time it really, as you get later in the tournament, that fourth and fifth round, you're probably playing people all around the same strength of schedule. But uh, earlier in the rounds, I mean, you could play two people. You could have won your both two games. The other guy could win your first their first two games. You go on to win the, the last three, and then your 
opponents lose their last three or four, so or maybe and, they didn't do very well the and rest some of the these, tournament. Some of these tournaments even go by if if you're if you're going by straight if you're not going with the hobby scores, if you're not going with soft scores, if you're going straight scores. Yeah. Um, if two people wind up with the exact same scores at the end, strength of schedule could be a tiebreaker then. Okay. So um, they they Domus and Relian were I just I caught the bit of it on Twitter today. They were asking to Steve and they're like, "Well, could you?" Dom was like, "Would you mind posting that?" And Steve's like, "I could check." And Relian's like, "Just figure it out yourself. It's easy." And Steve's like, "No, nah, no, nah, my girlfriend's working tonight. I'll just sit down for a laptop with a, a with a with a drink and I'll have it done soon. And it's it's already up apparently. Wow, awesome! So you could check your strength of schedule. That's really cool. I actually think I might have been Relian. Did he lose any games? Did Relian lose? Or did Relian was at table four on, he, at game five. He I, might have lost the fifth game. Yeah, he I think lost maybe the fifth game, but he was there. I mean, okay, was, so outside of that, I, I think I was his toughest game out, and that to me that was like that was like a little proud moment, giving him a real run for his money. But uh, yeah, that's strength of schedule. Cool. All right, so those are our two games. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and then. Uh, then we can talk with Grant about some of his overall stuff and give the rest of our tournament Sounds uh, great. results. Okay. Sounds great. Is your name a killing word? Is your mother a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Did it turn out that those were the droids you were looking for? If you know what I'm talking about, chances are you're a gamer. What better place to get your game on than the Game Preserve? The Game Preserve specializes in analog games of all types, like board games, family games, chess sets and jigsaw puzzles, and especially hobby games. They carry the complete GW line as well as Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Heroclix. They have gaming space for tournaments, game nights, and demo games just about any night of the week. So stop shopping at the Jerk Store and be one of the gaming elite. And visit the Game Preserve with four Indiana locations to choose from. Two in Indianapolis, one in Bloomington, and one in the gaming capital of the universe, Lafayette, Indiana. Visit them at GamePreserveStores.com or call 765-448-4200. Game Preserve. If you're not shopping here, the only winning move is not to play. And we are back. And better than ever. Here we go. Always getting better. Striving. Growing. Changing. Developing. Transmogrifying? Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Photosynthesizing? Photosynthesis. Mm. <laughs> Did I miss something? Okay, so here it says, we, we were looking through about this <laughs> Thunderstomp challenge thing, but it does say that they, it says specifically here, do special rules that can inflict hits in close combat, such as stomp and breath weapons, count as close combat attacks? Question mark, question mark page 42. Answer, no, they count as an unusual attack and will be distributed as a shooting attack. Well, still, you're distributing the shooting against the one guy, because when you're in a challenge, you can only fight the guy in the challenge. It says right there, Stomp and Thunder Stomp cannot go against anyone. The first question, it can only go, it cannot go against models in the unit. It can only go against the guy in the challenge. So it is a special. Once you go in a challenge, that is a unit of one fighting a unit of one special combat outside the rest of the unit. I agree with you. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here, so. But at the same token, that also means the situation. The I was did you in. say that on purpose? I think I think you did. It sounded like you said Tolkien, and I just I'm sorry. I had to. Uh, did you see? Did you hear? I Tolkien? heard it too. You just hear what you want to hear. He yeah. heard it too. I can't make him hear stuff. I can't make Grant do anything except get angry. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? You said by the same Tolkien. I don't know where it was going from that. That stopped me cold. He said Thunderstomp, Devil's Advocate, and you said by the same Tolkien. Who shot J.R.R. Tolkien? 
nobody, I hope. What was I saying before that dumb interruption? What was I saying? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so by the same token, let's say Thunderstomp. It, it's distributed like shooting against the unit, right? But if I'm facing, Correct. for example, not that I had this happen, a street <laughs> going in four wraiths, I'm still going to stomp into the unit. Sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. Yeah. Strigoi <laughs> in four wraiths walk into, into a bar. bar. The skeleton ducked. <laughs> Why the long face? Anyway. Evolution. <laughs> These two <laughs> are walking. Will you, I, I got to edit that. <laughs> what? It's, it's a lifestyle choice. Two just f***ing a dead alligator in the back of a bus. No, no, that no. was too far. <laughs> <laughs> now he has to find it and edit it. Now yeah. I have to edit the show. I'm sorry, I had to one-up you. Okay, let's go ahead. All right. So, uh, so Blood in the Sun. I understand it was uh, kind of popular like Grant. People, people seemed to dig it. I dug it. The pressure's on, Grant. Tell us everything you know about this bits. <laughs> All right. So um, uh, Blood in the Sun this year it was uh, at a new venue, uh, the Crown Plaza in Northbrook, Illinois. Uh, was an amazing time. Wound up having, uh, after being on a long waiting list and then a couple of last-minute personal issues, as well as a couple of people who moved away, we had... Um, uh, 75 total players at the end. So we weren't quite at the 80 players that we were looking at, but uh, 75 players, still a great turnout, one of the largest uh, in the Midwest from what I understand. I think that is still the largest. I don't know what North Star, North Star is at, but it's pretty close. So next year, 100? Um, I'm hoping so. It's not about, um, you know, this year was so comfortable with the number of people that we had that I'm really comfortable saying that anymore that it's it's not about being the biggest or the best or anything. Um, it's just about, well, maybe about being the best, but it's not a competition. Um, the uh, But if we strive to be the best, then it's a better uh, event for the people attending. So I, w- I will say this, as a, as a morbidly obese man, you had a good how many feet between the tables? It was uh, yeah. It, there was one thing that we actually thought it was going to be less when we had kind of calculated out. I think I don't know if the hotel's uh, measurements were a little bit wrong or what, but uh, we thought it was going to be a little bit tighter. And when we walked in, they already had the table set up for us. We just had to you know lay out the terrain and everything. We looked and we said yes. Well, this it was like is six great. feet between gonna, each row of tables, if not more. Yeah, yeah I mean very comfortable. Like I never once had to turn to the person on the table behind me and say sorry when I leaned back and bumped them. Yeah. And, yeah. That happens to me all the time. There was pretty much enough room for both people to be playing and for the judges to be walking up and down between each aisle. I mean, that that's, you know, in exactly. between, um, you know, gamers galore. So, yeah, it was great. Um, plenty of room. It was, you know, very open. Never really uh, never really got the gamer funk going on except for uh, maybe Sunday, Sunday in the smaller room. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always, always a little bit going on. But um, Not from me. <laughs> I was very clean. So the so yeah, so the tournament went great. Um, Friday night, a bunch of people showed up to not only just kind of meet and greet, play some Dark Age. We did have the the painting competition, which was only about I think it was about fifteen people mm-hmm. yep. that joined in on the painting competition. But it was still still a lot of fun. Um, I know both of you guys were in it, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, both of you guys uh, painted in it. Yeah, I asked Chris to sign my name on the sheet for the sign-up, and 
He didn't sign my name first. He signed oh. his own name first. So when he won the dice roll, that was my dice roll. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but I was I had to have something to yell about. Actually, I put my name twice. Did you? <laughs> no. Oh, not. I was robbed. <laughs> uh, the, and they were the Mantic Elves, which I actually, I've, I've grown to like the Mantic Elves, so it was fun. I've painted them up for when I painted Cranky's Kids set from uh, uh, Dwarf King's Hold, so... Mm-hmm. It was it was nice to get back and paint the, some of the Mantic models. I like those elf models a lot. Yeah, I'd never painted them before, so it was a fun experience for me. There's a lot more detail on those those elf models than than you expect there to be for such a skinny little weird. Now you got them model. because Mantic provided them for the contest. Well, Mantic, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys have already goobed on this episode about Kickstarter and what a great company <laughs> yeah. they are. Yeah, I lost my mind over it. But yeah, it's it's. They're such a great company. They're so um, uh, Joe, their U.S. marketing consultant, whatever his title. Position Joe Neat, yeah, Joe he's Neat. out of Baltimore. He he basically called me and said, "Grant, we want to be you know the bit sponsor. We want to um, you know help you out as much as we can." Hence the everyone got Mantic figures in their swag bag. We had three full Mantic armies as well as several Mantic uh, individual unit boxes to give away. Mantic posters galore. Mantic elves in the painting competition it was i got one down here <laughs> yeah it was uh, uh a great uh, you know a, a great sponsorship by them so thank you very much to mantic but yeah pretty impressive what what they did they came down to the top two and we couldn't decide the actual judges for the competition couldn't decide so they passed it on to me as a tiebreaker um i, I said i can't do it I, I absolutely can't because they were so different in the in the style and direction they decided to go with and the, um, and the two players where it was ben Cohn and great well, person we didn't know who the the people who did them were because okay. everybody just put i think you put your number Numbers. on the bottom of the the figure right, so right so you were just looking at the models cold and then i we like 6 and 7 or 8 and 12 or yeah, whatever right right so we didn't know what which player had done it and uh it wound up being yeah Greg Person and and Ben Cohn um both of them like you know personally I felt like Ben Cohn's popped a little more on the table had a little bit more extreme highlighting but um Greg Person's was very more subtle and had uh, some very good highlighting and, and very good freehand work on the shield. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the metallics just didn't lend themselves to popping quite as much, but were technically um, probably better than Ben Cohn's. It, it was such a, a tie there that we we had to dice it off and felt it like they were, it made a little exciting right there at the table. And we said, we've got two that we love. They were okay, both very great, the dice. In, but in two very different ways. And right. I could see how it was literally, it's like, wow, this guy's and this guy's are nothing alike. But they've reached got got quite a bit of of ability in that one hour. Both of them had the the craziness is both of them had very similar elf type symbols on the shield. Like both, even though they were done differently with the free hand, both the symbols were almost the same. So it's kind of and they're sitting in two opposite ends either. So one wasn't copying off the other one either. Um, the but yeah that was a, a ton of fun I'm glad that we had as many people participate as what did hopefully the word will spread and more people want to come do it next year because it's just you know it's free you can win prizes even if you aren't the best painter you had the opportunity to win a prize just for and we were I did I did I told Dave through no talent of my own I actually won something from that contest so thank you very much what did you wind up getting I got a paint set and uh, we were talking about the new 40k and the paint set includes five space marines Ooh. so I'm gonna end up painting them like white white scars and see what I like about them. I like Space Marines. Space Marines are cool. You'll be able to do well with that. Don't you have um, 
because uh, I, I really like the the white that you did on the the Man Wars or what was that from your Kador? Oh, the Man Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it's sort of a bone colored Man War. Yeah, yeah. I think that could that could something similar to that would look good on on white scars. Unfortunately, I uh, I glued those guys together without pinning them. So I'm in the middle of painting, and now I need to like very carefully hold the pieces and drill them before I, and, you know. Or just be like me and don't pin anything. I've learned to pin everything. I've had to. So these guys need some pinning. i got to be careful with them. I do pin big models, big monster metal models, but anymore the big stuff is all yeah. plastic, it seems. So Yeah, that's the direction. And thank goodness, too. It makes it easier. Anyways, but blood in the sun. Yeah. Um, um, you should mention also on Friday night there was a cool uh, demo of uh, Kings of, or not Kings of War, of um, of, uh, oh my god, Dark Age. Dark Age. Yeah, had a couple of people play that. Um, uh, Brian Steele was actually giving out some figures to the people who played. It, it, I was watching over. I'm like, wow, this just seems really, really cool. Um, I, the I models really... are top notch. Yeah. It's a smaller game, so you can get your 8, 10 models painted and play. And it moves really well. It's a fun game. Yeah, it really. I wanted to. I never had the time to but actually. But you were everywhere. At get, once. I was everywhere, and I I couldn't get into the game. So um, I'm going to try, and hopefully we can sit down sometime. One of you guys can teach me or whatever. Yeah. But I'd really yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, it seems pretty pretty darn cool. I got a chance to run into a demo on Saturday Saturday yep. for one of my games, and I love it. I think it's fun. But then again, it's also the same system as those games I used to play back in like '96, the Chronopia and the Warzone that I bring up once in a while. It's the same general system, but it's. Uh, if anything, it's cleaned up. So I love it. I can't wait to play more of it. Hopefully those guys will decide to come back next year. And um... I, I forget who was sitting there talking, but I came back a little later. And Brian had kind of finished up his demos but was just sitting and talking lore and fluff on the game. And there's a half, at least a half a dozen guys who walked out Friday night with a list of, I want to play this faction. I want to go buy some Dark Age. Cool. Well, one of the reasons that I wanted to have uh, Brian Steele there and, and Cool Men You're Not was, um, and, and I even did invite Mantic. They didn't have the ability. They've been so busy with um, all the figures that they didn't have anybody to um, send out at the time to actually run the demos. But um, I did offer them to come out if they wanted to run demos as well. Um, is, is I want to start dropping that and kind of hinting at the fact that we want to grow possibly into maybe a two-game or three-game type event. Oh, shoot. Um, what would I play? And with that, uh, well, and that's the thing. And I, I asked several people over the, over the weekend, what do you think? Do you think if we if we open this up to a, a multi-game event, if we did one room as a war machine room, would it pull players away from fantasy? And... Um, most of the answer was if it did. Most most of the people answered if it did. They didn't think it'd be any more than five to ten players that pulled away to the other side. Right. Overall, you'd get more participants for the full event. Well, I guess the question is: Are you worried about where the players are, or are you more worried worried about like the quantity of players in general? Like, you probably get a hundred players easy if you add in a second system. The question is: Where will those players be? Right. Right. So, and if we did that, it would be. Um, uh, Steve, Chris, and I would, are so dedicated to this, we would have a separate uh, group of guys running that event as well, just coinciding and being you a would, part of the, bli- the bits You'd have event. a second team under under you guys running the running the other event. No, you, there's no there's no under, you know, there's no... Well, you, guys, no I mean, it's, it, it, you guys are the three, I mean... These are have, my commandants, you know, no. You wouldn't have Steve go over to the War Machine side, for example, since he knows so much about the system already? I will not lose Steve. Are you yeah. kidding? <laughs> no, 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 no. He no. is the key master. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> Matrix 2 reference, I am not giving him to you. He's the guru. 
Wow, he is fast and good. I mean, I was even talking to him. I'm like, just sitting watching him in front of that computer, putting in those scores and getting stuff done. He 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 is like he is. The he sc- en- he enjoys it so much too. Like it, like when when I say, okay, Steve, can we do that? And he says, Grant, I already did that. And then he just looks looks dead back down at his computer and chuckles at me. Yeah. It's just uh, he he revels in his excellence. So uh, I seriously, like that. yeah, his, the, he is a scoring machine. This guy, he's got the spreadsheets up. He's got everything accounted for. Oh yeah, I got this and that and that. Just well today. Hey, can we look at how do we figure out our strength of schedules? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll sit, give me about an hour. Let me get home from work. Give me about an hour. I'll have it up. And it's on the website. It's like, son of a... He's good? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't give him up. You couldn't... No. <laughs> so, where, do you, so, where do you find another? You, you don't. Yeah. There's only one Steve Lechman. Um, so just really over the weekend, uh, like I said, I'll just recap a couple things and then let you guys ask a couple questions if you if you have any questions about it. The... The weekend went really smooth, smoother than I could imagine. Um, normal tournament-style hiccups coming in on uh, Sunday morning and going, oh, shoot, we didn't get a chance yet to put all the terrain back out on the tables. And we wanted to give everybody a chance to look at the terrain that was brought in for the terrain contest before we put it out. So, I mean, we had to start the, that uh, fourth round about ten minutes late or so, but... Whoop de doo! Everybody's still waking up from from hangovers or a long day Saturday, anyways. So I, I think I don't think anybody minded. But um, you know, if that's the worst thing that happened over the weekend, as far as you know, being hung up in a that's, tournament, that's a problem. That's a solution yeah, for some people. Yeah. We already had uh, 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 feedback. As my mind is just gone from this whole weekend. Yeah, so. I was I was hating life this morning. Right. Um, I slept in a bit. I hate your guts. <laughs> it was summer break. The kids got home from their weekend. They were tired. I'm like, if I let them sleep, I can do the same. So that was my morning. I try not to die at this moment. Sorry. <laughs> Don't die. We need you. <laughs> right. You need to live. Okay. Okay. So really just the, I mean, yeah, that was the, the hardest part about the weekend. I mean, bits being a... Uh, a friendly tournament that we basically say, hey, players, it's your job to make sure your opponent's having fun. I think it really helped out a lot. We had fewer rules questions than I think any other tournament that I've been at. I've, I've helped run Adepticon for two years now, as well as this is the second year for Bits. And I, this year was definitely the least amount of rules questions that we've had. And... I think we really set the expectation at the beginning that, hey, we are going to come to your table and make a judgment based on speed. If you haven't already looked up the ruling, if you haven't already asked if we if we, you should just four up it for the purpose of speed, the judge will come to your table, will look at both sides, and will make a swift judgment uh the the judge shouldn't look up in the rule book or anything like that that's your job to do that and i think that made most of the the, any judgments that did happen again it was yep you're going to do it like that whether it was right whether it was wrong we laid that out right at the beginning that we're not going to be liable for the judge's rulings being wrong because they're they've been instructed to go with time of is of the essence because a fun game is a fun is a game where you're both able to go your six turns, yep. and there are some armies that perform battle better on the front end, <clears throat> ogres, and there's some that you know perform better on the back end. 
I don't know which which army that would be. Some a little more resilient, maybe dwarves. Dwarves uh, cast holding dwarves, back, yeah. yeah. So uh, a, a good game is a game that lasts those six turns that you both know that you're going to be able to to get that. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes you're having too much fun. Sometimes it's for other reasons, but. The we strive to make sure that you get your full six turns in, and that's why we kept the rounds to two and a half hours as well instead of two hours. And I, I think that that is a good time allowed. If we went to three hours, you're really just doing it for the two or three guys that couldn't quite get their two or three tables that couldn't get their their sheets in on time, and it keeps things moving. Well, how about plans for next year? I mean, obviously this was a success, and you had a lot of prize support, and a lot of people jumped in to help out with the tournament, and you had a really good crew. And it looks like you also had Taz and Luke and a few other folks who jumped in to help you out, just keep the things nice and smooth. Uh, I don't know if you've already put out a survey for feedback yet, but it seems like all of the things that were suggested to you from last year, you've taken into account. Do you have any plans in mind for next year? Well, so that's great that you brought that up because – one of the things that Steve and Chris and I, without even talking about it, have instilled this idea that we are here for you. Uh, we are hosts of a party, and you are at our party. Right. So anything that you want is at our command. Anything that you, you know, th- the common response that I heard from both Chris, you, and myself all weekend was, hey, man, this is this is your show. Anything you want, I got it for you. So anytime anybody came up and asked for anything, wanted anything, needed anything, it was all about them, the players. So and and we don't we don't make dollars off of this. So hey, I can attest to that because he came up and I had to take my pills and I had run out of water. He's like, I don't need anything. I'm like, actually, Grant, I need to take my pill and I don't want to run and leave the game. Would you mind just going out and because they had those big water things out in the hallway, mm-hmm. which were always. Full and cold. I compliment the hotel on that. But yeah, I sent Grant to give me a glass of water during my game, and he came back with a glass. He didn't even spit in it or nothing. It was wonderful. There's actually a. a How do you know? There's a there's a quote from I know the taste uh, from a, a culinary a culinary <laughs> writer, and he uh, the quote is. Um, a host is always responsible for his guest's happiness as long as the guest is underneath the host's roof. That seems like what you've sort of emulated here. Well, yeah, and and not that it's our roof, it's the Crown Plaza, but it is. It's, it's our, it's, it's our. We're, we're hosting the party. Yeah, right. So, that being said, we didn't get to play as many games. We don't get to do as much as we'd like to do. But whatever, we realize that going into it that. We're doing this for you guys. Hopefully, when we come to your event, you're as as uh, cordial to us as we were to you. So um, that's that's all that we ask. The for next year. So feedback. Feedback is something huge that we strive on and that we took very to heart last year. Most of the feedback that we got last year was really positive. We like this. Keep this. We like this. Keep this. Even... Um, the pledge, we make everybody do a silly one-sentence-long pledge, and I think it's just, uh, I, state your name, promise to have fun all weekend long. And that's it. And I made everybody, I said, raise your hand, put your hand on your heart, salute Joe Flesh, whatever you uh, need to do to make this serious for you. But uh, it, <laughs> Joe Flesh got a kick out of that, I'm sure. So the... 
it, it's very important to us that we get that feedback. I did put out this year again that we do want feedback. I just sent out an email today asking for feedback and have already gotten some responses. Again, just an outpouring of this was great. Uh, over the weekend, I also had a couple people comments about uh, uh, people who remembered, hey, Last year, I told you that the only thing that I didn't like was the mats, and you guys have these brilliant all-new mats that I absolutely love. And uh, uh, somebody else mentioned that, hey, you know, uh, last year one of the comments that I made was that I didn't like it in two rooms, even though you guys had to do it in two rooms again this year. The space is huge. It's it's great. You can hear the speakers in both rooms. I think it's good. And they were much closer to the same size. It was so easy to be able to walk from one to the other. With the other one, it was a bit... Of a labyrinth, like yeah, you had to go, go around the corner, around, yeah. uh, down the hall, and around the corner. But these were across the hall from each other, and like I said, you had what about twenty table? Uh, there was like sixteen tables in one room, and then I think twenty four in the other room, right. which is kind of a. But I mean, it didn't seem. They don't seem that much different. It, no, yeah. it really didn't. Last year, it seemed like you had like five. Ta- it's, I mean, I know I, that's not right, but it seemed like, like six tables in one room, and then like thirty in the other. And it's just it was just the way the rooms were set up, and they looked this looked much more balanced. And also last year we had the judges' table in the smaller room, taking out even more space of the right. So the, the few small people room. at the top tables were in this elite room with the judges, and everybody else is in the other room. And this year so it was opposite. the opposite. The judges were down with the bulk of the tables. Yeah, I never saw you guys all weekend. We we had lots of compliments on the, on the venue. It was it's it's in a really it's in a very nice area of Chicagoland, um, and it's a it's a I would say it's an upper scale hotel but they still the room prices were still reasonable as as far as being comparable to any other venue or any other tournament that I've ever been to you get the higher drink prices you get the higher um uh, the higher food prices but anybody who's not going to pay that isn't going to pay it anyway so right. the yeah i think uh, i think overall that the venue someplace that we like we want to keep uh, feedback that i've gotten so far this year is um, and I've already got about 12 to 15 responses back already. Everything's positive. Again, uh, the, the worst is, hey, thought maybe the, the two rooms for the players, or the two rooms affects the players' choice voting. So if you've got two rooms, players may stay in one room that they're, you know, that they're in and only look at armies in that room. That may be something that we... Um, that we try to fix next year, or that may just be a necessary evil. Um, and it depends on next year if we're able to get one room. Right. They do have a larger ballroom uh, at this facility that by the time we decided to expand, it was already taken. So, we, you know, we reserved this space. It was the, the first room was a big enough space to fit all the tables in that we needed for the 50 that we started with once we decided to expand that larger room was already taken. That's why we had to take the room that was across the hall as well. But I think it worked out great this year. Uh, I, I wouldn't even mind if that was what we had to do next year. It's all going to based on be based on cost and what what that hotel is willing to, basically how much they liked us this year. Hopefully they're willing to wheel and deal with us again next year to bring us back. I think we're all pretty pretty cordial. I think most gamers are, are a, a pretty cordial group. Um, with with a couple of exceptions, but <laughs> <laughs> no, even even the partiers were relatively tame this year. I feel, or at least contained. So mostly contained. 
<laughs> yeah, I seem to recall a few examples of shenanigans here and there, but I don't think it was like any damage. I think there was done. only I think the whole weekend with almost a, you know with with with, with the people running it and everything. Going, yeah, there's there was over seventy five. Yeah. It's almost a hundred of us. You know, I'm taking it back. This is the gaming capital of the world. We have like the the, the most amazing gamers in the world right here. Yep, pretty much. So yeah, so. for for next year, we're just hoping to have it be amazing. Again. <laughs> so the potential exists. You're considering the possibility of adding on other game systems depending on the popularity and what you can get for it, whether or not you can get people to cover it. Warhammer Fantasy is, of course, always going to be the heart of it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, if, if there's anybody out there, we don't have anybody in mind, but if, if, if anybody listening to this show has a, has a hankering and, and has a track record of, of running successful events, um, I mean, obviously we want to partner ourselves with people who do have some experience in running events and, and want to put on as good a show as we do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's anybody out there who listens to this show who has a, another event that they'd like to run uh, as a part of Blood of the, the Sun, so so I don't know how we'd label that, Blood in the Sun War Machine, Blood in the Sun Kings of War, what, how, whoever wants just, to just run Just keep it Blood in the Sun. I mean, it'll be Blood in the Sun, but you want to break that off and give that some individuality as well. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see how point, it works. At that point, it becomes a convention more oh, than... Oh, right, yeah, Blood of the Sun adep- is the convention. Adepticon's right? Adepticon, and then you've got these, these, this room, that room, and the other room. At that point, you've got a Bitscon. Right. Oh, that's something really interesting. One of the uh, organizers for Adepticon was actually at... Uh, well, actually, two, including Alex Gonzalez. Alex but there, too. There's another one who's actually a part of the actual marketing, running... I didn't know if you guys knew that, but one of the players there actually is a part of, like... The Adepticon Council. Now, who is that? And he, uh, I don't know if I should out him or not. No, no, I don't no, know it's if okay, that's, uh, don't. I, I just don't know. So no, that's fair. he was there and he came up to me afterwards and he said, man, Grant, that is a solid show. And he said, I, I'm going to take the online scoring back. He's like, I think that is phenomenal. So the online scoring and the timing and everything. And I told him flat out, I said, I said, it can work. But I mean, for an event like a deck, for an event like Akon, we're successful with it because of Steve Lechman. And not saying there aren't other Steve Lechmans out there, but you need to have somebody separate for each tournament who has the the ability to put it up there to uh, notice any flaws that are there before it actually goes up and to get it posted accurately and timely between each round, etc. And uh, you got to have a numbers person who's solid with their numbers and can sit down and you can keep distractions away from them and let them do their math and right. their spreadsheets. Right. And he said that they have a software that they're working on to to do that automatically. But so it may be something coming from them. But we'll take all the credit if Adepticon has has online scoring and round pairings next year. So I'll pat myself and, and Steve Lechman and Chris Yu on the back there for all that. Anywho. <laughs> but Grant, seriously, dude, you did and the whole crew did a bang-up job. I'm saying you because you're sitting here. I'm not trying to you know minimize what Steve and... The Council of Three knocked it out of the park. But it's 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 a fantastic and Taz and Luke are there backing you up too. Taz and Luke, man, hell, they, if I knew everyone was going to get such nice snazzy Hawaiian shirts, I might have said I'll sit this one out and volunteer to work it. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, the um, they actually provided their own. The um, taken and you had and you had Luke going around like his dedicated photographer. Just taking pictures all over the tournament. Oh, he was ecstatic to do that. He actually, I think, has taken some some photography courses and has a professional photog- 
photography camera. <laughs> it was a, a professional-style camera. I mean, it's really uh, – he was excited to do that, both Luke and Taz. And we had Carmine and Todd. I don't know if you got a chance to meet them, but I they talk, are – Talk to Carmine, yeah. They are local players who they're really, really dedicated to getting new players in the hobby. So, And they have never actually been to a GT like this before. So they came up, and they were so excited. I wish I had more time to listen to Carmine's ideas about getting new players into the hobby. We were talking to them outside. Yeah, yeah. He was that night, really and he good. He had some really cool stuff. If I wasn't so damn tired, I would have sat and listened to him for another. I, I could have listened to him for another half hour, but so know, I think they're, they're a pretty valuable part to the community as well. And all of them helped out tremendously. The guys from Mini Painting Authority helping us judge painting. Um, that's something I'd like to talk about. Let's talk about the paint, paint judging, and paint scoring. Um, how did you feel like the paint judging and scoring was? Uh, speaking for only myself, I think that it was fair because I know what I did. I know the effort I put into it. It was all last minute. I had I had bases that didn't match. I had uh, paint style from old dwarfs that I'd painted years ago that didn't match my new war machines. So I got a 24, and I think it was fair. And I actually think that that was a, a good call because I had a few models that I think started to look very sharp right next to models that didn't look like anything. So the clash probably made for a hot mess on my on my display board which was your display board by the way <laughs> and my uh and my placard was a folded up piece of paper with ballpoint pen. Now we got credit for that though right he got the folded up piece of paper it, well, and, and i had the trifold uh banner behind it you I definitely mean, did i it don't didn't know. have to be a placard though someone told me it had to be a placard engraved and in 3d and i was like no, get out of no, here no. No, and and the judges were even. I actually took all the judges to the side, and we actually graded. I had my Warriors of Chaos Army set up for, um, for the Ringer Army, and I actually took all of the judges, all nine judges, through the steps of because we had we had nine judges because we had teams of three that judged every army. So the so I took them through all the judge steps. Judged a third of the armies. So you had three Correct. teams of three. Three so teams of three. They, these three judged this third of the armies, this third of the armies, that third of the armies. And I even went so far as to, to creating the teams so that there was, um, like each team had uh, either Chris, you, or I, or, or, I, or um, who was the other, from uh, from Mini Painting Authority. We felt like we had pretty keen eyes. There were We felt like we had pretty similar um, eye levels on each team. Okay. So uh, it seemed very, very even, very fair. And there's not our checklist. I feel there's not a whole lot of room either. You do or you don't. And the one thing that we did have to really clarify was um, as long as they have anything but, and Chris Barnett, I don't know if yours would count. I would have to see it. The... If if it was just handwritten on a piece of paper at the point of time, no, that didn't count. Well, it that's, had to that's be something exactly that, and precisely what I did. <laughs> okay, it so that wouldn't have, count. It should not have counted. So so it was anything that was created, and it's very checklist. I said th- this is exactly what I said when going through the army. I said, a if it's a borderline, if if you don't know, if this says uh, if this says the army has highlights, and you're not really sure if that's a highlight or not. Give them the benefit of the doubt. So first of all, yeah. it's always a benefit of the doubt. Second, it was, uh, well, like I said, the nameplate, because the benefits of the nameplate, not only for that, but also for just when people are coming around trying to give you the, your player's choice voting, people trying to give you your, you know, that helps, so you could do that. One of the things I did like on your sheet was that I think the most points you could get was 48 or 49. 48, right. 48, yeah. and then all the guys who had 48, the guy who got picked for... Out of all the 48s, if there was multiple 48s, 
the one who won got the two points and got the full 50 for best painted. Right. So that was like, so there was someone who, yes, if you got best painted, you were guaranteed to get a couple extra points over every other painted army. So even if it was all at top levels, this here you you got it. Here's your little perk to your overall score. It's that little bump. And when at the end, when it's coming between one and two points apiece, I, I liked that. I yeah, liked that there like was a the, when you brought it up to me uh, at your house. I was like, that's that's fantastic, right there. What what I really wanted to do with the paint checklist this year is a couple of things. First of all, consistency is a, important. I, I've heard of a lot of tournaments there are some inconsistencies in paint, so I wanted to make sure we had consistency. So not only putting the paint guide up in advance so you you saw what you could get points on but also having three people judge each army so that means that there's you know if one person just has uh, doesn't see something in the army and one person just is overzealous and thinks your color scheme is great that you've still got that that median or that mean score that's right in between there that you can um you know that that's where your army lies is right there and and once you go back and you look at that i mean i've got no problem going through and showing you what i would think would be on a chart but mostly i think most of those things on the chart you could probably say okay you're right my bases didn't match my movement trays or my my i didn't have a name card or the biggest place where a lot of people lost points so if you see the difference between a a you know a, a 20 you know mid 20s to the mid 30s a lot of those players and that wasn't you dave but a lot of those players was they just didn't have a display board because there's several points given to that display board or they i know i got the bare minimum for the display board and i thank you because you helped me with it because i just had no idea what i was doing and <laughs> mine, mine mine looked super jank and then Grant took it. He's like, that's funny. I had three colors on it and a little sand area where the, I was going to start the lake. And Grant's like, yeah, this isn't working. All is brown on top of all of it. I go to dinner, come back. It's been dry brushed over. It's got a one stinking color display board with a dry brush over it. Looked a hundred times better than the thing I spent like three times as long building. I was like, son of a bitch. I brought it home. Harrison's like... Who did this? Who fixed your display board? I'm like, Grant. Man, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Thank you. I thought mine looked great because it wasn't mine. Thank you very much, Grant. <laughs> when I was when I was whipping that paint on there, I had a couple people saying, man, I wish I had the T.O. paint in my display board, too. <laughs> that would sure help. Can you do mine, too? Uh, I, I, I know I'm the host of the party, enough. but... Whatever. I, I can't, can't pay hey, Okay, yeah. So you I know, got a special perk. Also a member of NW, too. Yeah, yeah. I got, you know... And I'm and I'm certain that the display for itself, if I got anything better for the work you did on it, it was maybe a point at tops more than mine would have gotten, only because it was a little more uniform to my board. But I mean, it was still it was still basically a square piece of foam with a couple of notches cut in it and some sand. I mean, when we created the sheet, we wanted it was out of fifty total points, so we wanted to create the ability the ability for even if you don't have. Um, strong painting skill and strong without skill, you could pretty much get 40 points. You really could. If you really looked at everything and said, okay, I need to get some free hand on these banners. I need to make sure that my, my movement trays match my display bases or match my figures bases. I need to, so as long as you go down the checklist, say that I need to make sure this is done, you could get 40 points. And there were a couple armies that, um, if you looked at them, you look at them up close. No, there's not great technical skill there but they got high 30s See, so. and that's where i screwed up 
because like I was running out of time and I said rather than I could have done some freehand that was kind of shysty and then just gone later and stripped it and redone it. But I just was like, ah, screw it. I don't want to strip it and redo it later and I don't want to do it half-assed. So I'm just going to put it up there without it. I could have, I only had four banners. I could have spent 25 minutes and done a couple of vampire fangs on each banner and gotten the points. Like you said, it's not necessarily technical, high technical merit, but are you at least trying? Are you putting something out there that's at least hitting the hitting the points? I mean, I I opted not to. Other people opted not to do other things, and literally, I mean, so I don't have any problem with my twenty eight. I don't know. Do you do you want to announce some of the winners, Grant? I mean, we we didn't talk about who actually won. I don't have all the list of names. I know you'd remember better than I did. I mean, you don't have to go through all the. The, the the 16 best in race awards that you gave out. But uh, if you want to say who won the best painted, best sports, best general, why don't you? Well, we can go over just by talking about uh, about the about the main big prizes, the, the, the top spots. So top spot was best overall, and that went to Brian Moyer, mm-hmm. uh, who's on the America ETC team. And uh, really just had a – he came up and gave – Glowing feedback afterwards said that it was you know one of the better tournaments he'd been to. He's definitely bringing people back. Awesome. Somebody coming from somebody like that who does travel to tournaments all over the world, um, really, it, that's great feedback coming from him. The best best general was Dennis Went with Vampire Counts, who I believe you played. I right? played both of them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? You played both of them. My two look losses were those look, two gentlemen. Look, look at that strength and schedule. So. Yeah, the yeah Dennis went took best general with vampire counts, a great list, great looking army too. Yeah, not a lot of times you see the best general army being the even though last year I think it was Johnny Hastings. So two uh, years in a row, general two, was Hastings. General yeah. was Hastings last year. So general this year was Dennis went who great looking army and and what a great play. Like I I listen to him playing games. I've talked with him a lot. He's he's very polite. A very yeah. very very yeah. nice. He was a nice gentleman. person. Yeah, not saying that anybody isn't a gentleman, but he's just somebody who stands out to me as being uh, just an just an upstanding player. Um, next would be uh, best sports, which is which is Mister Tom McClure. What an upstanding guy, and it's it's so genuine. None of it's fake. Um, I mean, yes, he brings cookies. Yes, he brings. But I, I don't think I've ever talked to that guy, and he hasn't asked me. Uh, seen him at a tournament, and he hasn't asked me how my wife's doing, how my kids doing, um, all, all the above. Just just caring about my general well being. So, what what a great guy he is. Um, best sportsman. You know, much deserved goes to Tom McClure. And finally, best painted. Best painted. Best painted went to Mr. Johnny, Johnny Hastings. Hastings. Right. Um, and, and at first we were, we were saying, oh, wait, did we say that we'd allow people to win those uh, awards two years in a row? Or, or And then we said, wait a minute. No, Hastings he won, didn't win. He won last general. Year. He won general last year. I think year, painting so. went to Raj, didn't it? I don't remember who the best painter was last year. I'll have to get back to you. Was it Raj? Well, anyway, we also you also had Snorri this year. We had the Snorri this year, and that is um, uh, that was a second year winner for the Snorri, which was um, 
Jared Schroeder, That's right. uh, the legend from uh, from Point Hammered fame. He's got a really cool. I, I love it. I love the theme. It's it's a, a more of a Lord of the Rings style dwarves incorporating the dragons, uh, dwarves coming out of the mountains with the dragons. The dragons actually count as they're, they're kind of, it's kind of a counts as army, but they're they're actually themed to be throwing rocks and things as rock lobbers, like and, flying and, overhead, yeah, dropping them. Right, correct. So so those are the. Um, yeah, he won the Snorri Award. The player's choice. The, the player's choice. I believe that was Greg Person. That was this Greg year Person. was Greg Person. That's a beautiful army, what too. A, yeah, what a great army he had. They they both showed up on Friday night, set up their armies right away just so we could start looking at them, and, man, they were just some good-looking armies, too. So, yeah, Greg, it, it, was, it was fantastic. It was absolutely should amazing. Be, should be one more award. There was, there's the Hoodoo, oh, yeah. Voodoo Spirit Award. That's right. And that's something that we brought on this year. And we're going to do something similar. The, the theme this year was, was a voodoo, the summer voodoo. So he got a, a, a little skull trophy, and he got a skull wand. I call it the, the skull wand. Uh, what's that work item? The skull wand of wand Kaloth of or whatever. Or, oh, oh, from... Yeah, yeah. So there's that, and then uh, then he also got one of the big prizes as well. And he much deserved it. Joe Flash. He was he was in the the, the holiday summer spirit all weekend long. Hula skirt um, lays around his head and around his neck and around his arms, and he just looked like he um, he did. He was giving out lays to all of his opponents. I'm glad so. he didn't take off his shirt though, like a regular hula guy. The man's hairy. He is a little. <laughs> So, but uh, he was certainly in the spirit. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He yeah. actually came in and said, "I look." He went. I'm like, dude, you went all out for the spirit thing. He goes, "I am going all out for every award I have a chance at winning. I'm not winning the painting. I'm not winning this tournament. But I got a really good terrain piece, and I'm wearing this ridiculous outfit. I'm walking out of here with something." He got he got a lot of votes for his uh, for his terrain piece as well. Really cool. His dwarf brew house was awesome. Yeah. I voted for really it. Really cool. Really cool. Um. Okay, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. Blood in the cool. Sun 2013 is definitely going to happen. Well, no can't. guarantees on the location. No guarantees on um, how many players. No decisions as of made yet. We're still just kind of recouping from this whole year. You don't have a. You haven't started setting that up yet, <laughs> Ooh, dude. Dude, what the heck? Yeah, I look forward to round. Um, I, I tell you what, take a week off. Okay, you deserve yeah, I'll it. I'll take that. <laughs> well, congratulations. I mean, yeah. it was a fantastic success. I can't wait for uh, 2013. I mean, I would skip Akon before I skip this. Ooh. That's how hey, I feel about it. that's a compliment. So. Thank you. Yeah. So, thank you. Great job. And count on me for next year. I'll be there. Sweet. Thank you guys for having me on again. I, I had fun talking about Thanks. it. Thanks. Thank Let's you. take a little break, and we'll come back with... Uh, we'll wrap up the... Wrap uh, up our games. Journey talk. All right. Okay. Bye. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. And we're back. All right. Well, and thanks again to Grant for coming on. He did have to bow out, but yeah, thanks very much, Grant. Uh, the tournament was a wild success, and uh, can't wait for next year. Excellent. So let's get back to our uh, 
our overall discussion of so, uh, right. We were approaching game number three, which is on the first day. That was a Saturday, the last game of Saturday. Do you right. want? To, do you want to lead off? Sure. Um, I got to play against Matt Teeter. Now they had their whole group group come from. I believe they're all from Minnesota. I think so. Uh, or no, Michigan, Michigan. Matt Teeter from Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty certain. If I got it wrong, I'm sorry, guys. But they came down and uh, they were here early Thursday night. <clears throat> a bunch of us were at UGG. Actually, I know Harrison got to play. Harrison actually told me not to say anything about his game. He wants to come on next episode and talk about it. He was just kind of tired today after a long weekend of his own. Um, but uh, So I played against Matt Teeter. He played the Empire. He had a Grandmaster uh, uh, riding on a horse, Templar Grandmaster. He had a Warrior Priest, uh, 11 Knights from the Knightly Orders, uh, the Luminarch of Hish, one captain uh, of the Empire BSB. He had a warrior priest, uh, a thirteen-man knight of the Inner Circle. Um, okay, bus of knights, a unit of three demigriff knights. Uh, he had uh, twenty-five great swords. He had another warrior priest. He had a well wizard lord, and uh, what, one cannon. What lore was the wizard? Um. You know, I don't see it written here. What spells did he cast against you? Oh, heck, I can't remember. There wasn't a lot of it. I think it was light. Light? Okay. Yeah, it was the one that gives you the super speed, the... Light. Yeah, he had light. The one where it, like, doubles your attacks or it increases your, like, doubles your your movement. Yeah, or, yeah that's yeah. light. So he had light. L-I-G-H-T. Light! Okay, here's another game. <laughs> it is another game. Here comes into game three. So, I just, I mean, zombies and skeletons aren't going to take out night buses. Um, I threw Crypt Ghouls and Hex Wraiths mm-hmm. into his Demigriffs, and I won the combat. I broke them, and they ran. His Standard Bearer obviously had to stay behind, so I got the Standard. But the one got away, ran away, and I was never able to catch it. Couldn't get any points. I got 25 points for the banner. And then I was sitting there picking away at nights. We didn't, neither of us really wanted to commit. Okay. So we basically danced around each other for a while, kept trying to pick off here and there. Uh, by the end of it, my two units of uh, 20 zombies and my unit of 20 skeletons were 40 skeletons and 60 zombies each. Uh, in the end, I just knew that his one big bulk of his uh, inner inner circle knights, his, they were coming in trying to go in and, and pick off some points. So I threw both hordes of zombies into it, front and left. And said, you can't possibly kill a 60 with your knights. They just don't have enough attacks to generate enough damage. So I was just like, okay, I'm locking that out of the game. His cannon did manage to blow up the Coven Throne. Okay. Uh, vampire fell off of it. I put him in the unit with the ghouls. And, uh, I mean, the, the games went, we're not giving away any points. I hadn't lost anything. He lost a banner. Uh, his Finally, his wizard cascaded and blowed up. So I got points for his wizard. And uh, last roll of the last turn in the game, um, I was I was desperate to try to get some points, and so I let my vampire I, I put my vampire lord up against his his general because they also had the bonus points of the generals getting the fights right to kill you the general. So I go up there and I'm hitting him and I'm chopping and I'm chopping him and I get him down to one wound, um, and then. He goes in, and he's got that rune fang, so he does the auto-wounding on me. And uh, I've got the four-up ward save, so I saved. 
Uh, I saved a bunch of them, and he's like, oh, I got the other trickster shard. You have to re-roll all those. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, yep. So I re-rolled them, and I I had to I, – I, I basically I, – I didn't get enough. Uh, he he wound up killing the uh, – he got one wound. He wound up with one wound left. My vampire died. Um, but so then he scored the Coven Throne, which he had shot out before but couldn't have points for until he killed the vampire. So it's 595 points plus 100 for the general. He killed one model, got 695. I got a banner and a 200-point wizard. So I got like 300 points off him. Uh, yeah, 295, and he got six. So it was a 400-point difference. Once again, didn't give away a lot of points. So like an A12? Yeah, it was a 12-8. Uh, no, it was a... 11-9? I think it was 11-9. Yeah, it was 11-9 loss. No, it was no, it was a twelve eight loss. It was a twelve eight loss. Big deal. I mean, either way, it was another one where the points weren't super tight. Game. Getting or yeah, it was every game was so close. It was like I had all the right tools, and they just. I mean, even when he, you know, he rolled, you know, every every. I don't know. It was just. It was one of those things where it just wasn't quite working out. And they had those reroll tokens that you can earn to play one a game, and I I never used one. I forgot. That I had them. Constantly. Oh, I just kept jingling them in my hand all game. I kept jingling them, and I never knew when to use them. And I finally put them down to go and do this big dice roll off with all these ghouls and stuff like that. Uh, and it was like I could have probably rerolled the one failed wound. In fact, we after he left, we went back with the points. He's like, I'm like, ah, oh. because I failed one wound right off the bat, so I wouldn't have had to reroll. I couldn't reroll, like you said, I had to reroll all those things with the trickster shard. I couldn't reroll a reroll, right? But I had one that I failed initially. I could have used a reroll token on that, and if I would, I wouldn't have had to reroll it. Right. And so he goes, "Just see what you did." Boom, saved it. I was like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> I would have been a twelve eight. Uh, no, it would have been probably an eleven nine my way. But once again, twelve eight. I'm, I'm coming. The list wasn't bad. It was very good points denial. But actually, I'm, as I'm looking at, it, I'm thinking of a few ways I could even almost guarantee a slightly better points denial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. Ugh, it didn't have enough punch, and so once again, I basically we, that that game was uh, that was actually probably and no offense to anyone else I played that one was probably the most fun because it was so back and forth. We kept taking models off, we kept dancing around each other, kept hitting each other. I killed one model and he killed two. One of them was his own. <laughs> he killed my lord on the throne. He killed his own wizard. I killed a guy holding a banner. That was the game. So, on to yours. (laughs) Well, game three for me was against the Ogre Kingdoms of Brian Moyer. Brian Moyer's name should be familiar because this is one of the gentlemen from the United States flying out representing the United States for the ETC. He was also, ultimately, a little foreshadowing, the uh, best overall. A foreshadowing Grant just told us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so, So, I lost this game. I did lose this game, but it was a tight fit. I mean, it was a very close match. Uh, his list, Slaughtermaster, Firebelly, Firebelly, Bruiser, Iron Guts of, I think, six, six more Iron Guts, four Mornfang, three iron, uh, one Iron Blaster, um, Thunder Tusk, and three Saber Tusks. Okay. So, pretty good list. So, he didn't have multiple Iron Blasters and didn't have multiple... It didn't. Um, it didn't seem like an overly and he, and dirty he took list. A Stonehorn. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, we we keep hearing, and we've heard on other podcasts, we hear from other people. Every I mean, what was even cranky was a, saying? He had basically I, a Death Star bus of ogres. The uh, unit of six Iron Guts, I think, had all the characters in it. Well, still, I'm just what I'm saying is, all you hear is you have to have 
one or two iron blasters, and a couple of units of Morn Fang. That's the list. And 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 you know, why would you take a Stonehorn or a Thunder Tusk? Well, his yeah, he's proven you can. You certainly can. Uh, it worked very well for him because yeah, he won the tournament. Army also looks very good. He also do so- had something else against me. Uh, not against me personally. He had something that was. He had foreknowledge of what Cast Dwarves did. He knew exactly what the Kadai Destroyer was, and he had been planning on ways to defeat one because one of his teammates for the ETC is taking Chaos Dwarves, and one of his biggest challenges is going up against Chaos Dwarves with a Kadai. Right. So he had something specific in mind, and unfortunately for me, he had a trap, he set it, and it worked. Okay. Um, ultimately worked like this. There was a building that was in the way, which meant that it would r- severely limit my capacity to charge. I saw a chance to go in against the um, one of the units of Iron Guts, and I was not very afraid of them. Right. And I thought, okay, at this angle, I'm only going to clip one guy. And, like, that's perfect for me. Perfect. So that means that I'll still get my Thunder Stomp. I'll still get my attacks. They're going to be limited on the number of attacks they have back. Right. I mean, it looks like a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Except that the second I did that, and this is a good learning lesson for me, he just moved up his, his fire belly. I forgot. Because characters can make way. Well, that's fine. I thought I'd just kill the fire belly. No, they've got a 2-plus against flaming attacks. Whoops. Yep. And suddenly my win went to a slow loss. Mm. Because at that point, the moment I don't do very good attacks, I start to crumble because I'm a demon. So I crumbled. Uh, So my 325 points down the drain, and eventually it was a shoot-off between my Iron Demon and his Iron Blaster. Um due to, I think, a couple of unfortunate rolls. My shots do D3 wounds apiece, and I have a higher toughness and I have more wounds, but the cannon's an almost guaranteed hit, and mine is not. Right. So I had a couple of shots that did a wound, did a wound, and he was going, kabang, doing four wounds, kabang, doing two wounds, kabang, doing four wounds, I'm off. Okay. You know. So it started to go against me. Um... The Kadai was a, 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 a big blow for me because that's one of my major damage dealers. And losing the Iron Demon is pretty severe, too, because that thing is so resilient. I don't normally use it. I lose it. When I do, it's uh, it's problematic because that's a big number of my points down the drain. Right. After that, it started to look pretty rough for me. One of the surprise things I was able to do to turn it around was uh, I was able to get my characters into, or excuse me, my, my uh, Infernal Guard into a building which more or less protected me all game. Okay. Finally, I think the, the second to last turn, I got them the hell out of there because I couldn't survive another attack against those Iron Guts. Okay. But it meant that he couldn't attack me. First, he'd have to go into the building. Then he'd have to leave the building. Right. So uh, the only thing that left was a few pot shots. And at the end of the round, I had uh, my two characters, which was my Infernal, my BSB. Right. And my Lord and my Champion out of a unit of 30 plus the two characters. Okay. So I had one guy left. Shoo! Yeah, that was a big bullet dodge, so he didn't score anything there. A lot of effort for nothing. And one of the other things that turned it around for me was I I don't think he was quite prepared for how efficient my hobgoblins are when they actually get into attack, yep. especially when they're four wide. So I was able to charge in four wide is 80 mil, which means that all 10 of my horde of four, uh, 39 hobgoblins could attack. My initiative is higher because these iron guts. Okay. You know, wait, wait, you went in four wide? He went in four wide. Oh, he was going four wide. Okay. So I, or something very close to that. If not four wide, it was still, I, I was able to attack with a vast majority 
of a horde of two hand weapon hobgoblins. My strength is three, so I wound on fives. But Wait, you're right. Twenty times ten is two hundred. He's one sixty. So you got your two guys just hanging off the corners. Hanging you're going corners. eight to his. Oh, so you're getting twenty attacks in the front. Twenty one attacks. In 20, the front 30, row. 40, Champion is one. Forty one. And when you throw forty one dice, that's death of a thousand cuts, and that's what happened. I won that combat, and eventually I wiped them off. Nice. So I scored one of his iron guts. Nice. With your hob- hobgoblins running around. Hobgoblins are a key element of my army. It's not enough to say that they're a throwaway unit. They're all throwaway, but they do damage. Um, as I'll tell you next game, they did damage against a Necrosphinx. They nice. were they were the, they turned the tide. Nice. And not by crumble, by killing it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, the the game ended up being thirteen uh, seven, but we both ended up. Um, Actually, wait a second. I must have lost one of my characters there because we ended up getting the... Uh, maybe I lost my lord. I have to remember the details, but we both ended up getting, I think, there was like a total of five uh, objective points. Okay. Maybe I lost my character there because I think oh, we both Oh, that was got, where you had to challenge each other and then kill the guy. We both had to lose So you had to lose your general. So I must have killed his. He must have killed mine. But um, it ended up being a 13-7. Very close game. Nice. And I was happy. Um... The biggest compliment I received all weekend was I gave the top player his biggest challenge. So I was thrilled. I mean, I never expected to do anything. So I just just being able to pretend I'm a player for a tournament. There's no pretending. You went up and, I mean, I think that was his smallest win was 13. I was Seven, thrilled. So. I was thrilled. Uh, it was a really good match for both of us. So a lot of fun. So after after that, of course, it was shenanigans all night on Saturday night. Right. <laughs> Got I was chin- exhausted. I had a cold coming into this. I still have a cold right yeah. now, but I, seriously, I had two drinks with you on Friday night, and I didn't touch anything again the whole night. I was just hanging out. Well, my recommendation for those listeners out there who are really hungry for, like, after-game drunken shenanigans, there's an excellent podcast out there. It's called Pod Hammered, and I would check those boys out. Pod Hammered? Excuse me. Uh, uh, <laughs> point Hammered. Point Hammered. Uh, I would check those boys out. Yes, they are up for shenanigans. They're good guys. Mm-hmm. So how was your game four Sunday morning? Uh, Sunday morning, game four, I was on table number, I want to say seven or eight. I don't remember exactly, but mm-hmm. uh, I was playing against none other than Ohio Hammer's Andy Sherman. All right. Fielding two, uh, I should say TK, the Tomb Kings. Let's see, he had, of course, he had a Tomb King and a War Sphinx. He had a second War Sphinx on its own, and he had two Necro Sphinxes. So at that point, my jaw dropped and hit the floor. I'm like, oh, my God, that's four toughness, eight wounded guys. I'm going to die. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. He had a level two Nehekaran wizard, which baffled me. I have never seen anyone downplay magic on a TK army before. <laughs> and he's crazy. He's nuts. But he had an idea in mind. He wanted to make it work. He also had a screaming skull. Uh, let's see here. The War Sphinx had a fiery roar. I don't know if they ever used that or not. Four Necro Knights, three Carrion, and a core of six Chariots, 25 Archers, and six Heavy Horsemen. Oh, jeez. So I was nervous. I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's the Necro Knights are serious. If the Chariots hit me, that could that, honestly, that could probably kill even the Kadai. Right. From the sheer, especially if it gets one of those spells off that doubles its attacks, mm-hmm. that could just kill my guy. Okay. Im- impact hits alone, you know? So, anyway, I um, I managed to get the first turn, which probably, well, it probably did everything for me. Let me tell you what happened. I went ahead with my magma cannon. Uh, magic was good. Nothing crazy, but good, you know. 
Let me think. What did I do? Um, my magma cannon breathed fire onto all six of his chariots, brought it down to one chariot. So then what else? My Kadai... Oh, it was, the, it was the angle deployment, which meant that we were like maybe 12 inches at most away from each other because okay. both of us were eager to get into the fight. Okay. So my Kadai destroyer charged into his necro uh, knights. Okay. Kind of killed them. Okay. But when I say kind of, I guess what I mean is I killed them. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so he was. He went from f- six chariots to one. He went from four necros to I think nothing. Um, I was able to uh, later on in the game. I was able to snipe out with my death shrieker rocket one of his um, one of his war sphinxes. Nice. So um, his his other necro sphinx charged into my iron demon, and that became a grind for two or three turns, where it was able to do like a wound. I was able to do maybe a wound. The problem is the way I've taken my Iron Demon, it has magic attacks, that's great, but uh, its grind attack counts as Thunderstomp, which means if you're not infantry, I can't grind you. You're too big. Right. So that means that only the scuttling crew inside can like sort of swing wrenches at the Necro Sphinx. I was lucky to get one wound on it. Right. You know. Uh, it's armor save of five plus, so it's like three attacks. If I can get one of them to hit, hopefully I roll a six, and hopefully he doesn't roll that one third. Jeez. So, um, it was rough. <laughs> and finally, oh, yeah. and finally, what I had to do was I had to rush my hobgoblins over, which attacked it. I wanted to attack in the flank. At this point, he was smart and turned to expose his flank to the iron demon, so that he I would have to face the necro from the front. But I was able to do that. Somehow they were just close enough to my infernal guard so that they could use my general's leadership so they wouldn't fail their fear test. Okay. And then at that point, it's, I think, 50 in the front, which means that that's uh, like four or five. I can't remember the math there. Is it four or five guys? Five guys attacking. So that's 10, 20, 31 attacks. Pretty good still, you know? Right. So 31 attacks, and at that point, it's fours to hit, and it's sixes to wound. Um... I was able to do three wounds to it like that. You know, three wounds and it only it doesn't have the um it doesn't have the thunder crush, only the thunder stomp and uh, the ranks, the standard, the flank, the charge, the wounds wasn't uh was more than what he was able to do back to me and he crumbled. Or actually I may have killed it outright. I can't remember exactly if it had two wounds or not, but either way I I destroyed the thing. So at that point, he was down to nothing. And then finally, the Kadai got into the, the War Sphinx holding the general. And I had a problem with the general because he had uh, the Flame Ward, of course. But um, eventually what happened was I just swiped out the, um, the, the War Sphinx from underneath it. And I think it ended up taking a few crumble on the general. And finally, after copious amounts of tax and thunder stomps, I was able to just finally get one of those wounds to break through the ward safe. And, st- right. and stomp the general dead. Jeez. And more or less, the only thing and uh, his, I think his spearmen killed my, my, um, what are they called? My my wolves. But then, uh, you know, one of the other units wiped out this, those guys. Actually, they may have survived the whole game. So his heavy cavalry, and his level two, and his archers survived, and everything else was wiped off the table. Okay. Uh, no, I take it back. The screaming skull made it too, but okay. that thing was ineffectual all game. Jeez. And because he didn't really use his magic it didn't do anything 
you know. Right. So it was almost like he skipped one of the most important phases. But he's a smart player, and he, and he had some very powerful tools. And I think the fact that I was able to get the first turn meant I controlled. I had the initiative the whole game. It's like that, you know how in chess you're either on attack or you're on defense. Right. And I just had it the whole game. So that, I think, was... Um, that may have been an 18-2 also, but I scored a few objective points for that one. I want to say I scored maybe all five. Gee whiz. So that was a very solid game for me. How about you? Uh, let's see. I played Joe Flesh. <clears throat> we, that's our first game ever against each other. Really? Yeah. And uh, he was taking his filthy Skaven. And I'm trying to just double check. I actually might have reported a mistaken report on my first report. It is possible that, because there was another... Uh, you played against two Skaven. Right, and there was another Hell Pit versus the Crypt Horrors, mm-hmm. and either Relian scored my Crypt Horrors at the very last turn, or Joe did. I can't remember who, but it was another thing where the, the Hell Pit just kept hitting and hitting and hitting, and I kept getting my five-up regen saves, and five Crypt Horrors against the Hell Pit just strung out the whole game. Um, this was another close one. Um, uh, it was, I mean, Joe had, uh, a gray seer doing ruin. He had his BSB with a storm banner. Uh, he had a level one plague priest on a furnace with the whole, with, you know, with the whole crew. He had an engineer with the doom rocket, an engineer with a brass orb. He had little five rats with a pack master. He had three of those. Okay. Um, he had a unit of 40 slaves, another unit of 40 slaves, a unit of 35 vermin. Um, and then the, the 30 monks pushing the, pushing the, uh, fl- plague furnace and two units, uh, five gutter runners and two warp lightning cannons and a hell pit. And, uh, dirty Skaven. Yep. Uh, had some of the same stuff going on. Got, uh. You know, I sent uh, I sent my spirit host against his gutter runners. You know, just try to get them while they're shooting. See if I can distract them with that. Uh, dancing around each other a lot. Uh, you know, getting stuck in with units of Skaven. Was, there was a lot of we weren't able to attack. I will say this: I had the hex wraiths, and he was just constantly spent his one warlock engineer. Um, he had a level uh, level one. Yeah, he had a level one and just constantly just trying to, you know, magic off. Spent like three, four turns before he was able to kill that unit of five hex wraiths. So I lost the points for him, but they distracted him from shooting at everything else because he didn't want them running into his backfield and doing any damage. So I was able to sort of move him around. I took out a unit like I took out his little rat dart thing his little giant rats with the one pack master uh I ran through and took out most of the guys that were protecting this level 1 wizard but I couldn't panic him and I couldn't make him run off uh, he just kept passing his his saves uh I mean long story short I got a couple of rat darts I got I think a unit of slaves I grabbed one cheap warlock engineer I got 206 points off of him I only gave up 469 and it was another one where I lost part of a unit right at the end so you know he was just sort of picking up uh, picking up bits and pieces 
another game where I didn't have enough punch to take the points, but nobody could get anything off of me. Nothing mm-hmm. significant. Uh, and this is an 11-9 loss to Joe. So it was just... It was a whole weekend of 11-9s, a couple of 12-8s, another 11-9. That was that. I was just sort of coasting right in the middle. Well, why don't I I quickly hit my Game 5 here then? Go for it. Game 5 for me was actually on Table 3. At this point, I won't lie, I was actually a potential, a contender for maybe Best General. I was actually getting to that point where if I had scored well, I could have... Um, which was exciting as hell. I, I've never been that close in my life. Oh, it was cool. It was amazing. Uh, it was a great thrill. And so I met my opponent. His name is Dennis Went, which is, of course, um, the uh, I don't know if you remember from 30 minutes ago when Grant mentioned who the uh, best general was, but it certainly right. wasn't Chris Barnett. It was, <laughs> he was this gentleman right here. So Dennis Went was playing Vampire Counts, and he had a Strigoi. Ghoul King with the Fencer's Blades, the Dragon Bane Helm, the Potion of Strength, and Red Fury. He also had, let me see here on the list, he had a Master Necromancer. He had another Vampire, I think like a, like a hero level. Right. Uh, four Wraiths, uh, Unit of Skeleton Warriors, and all of those characters were in the same Unit of Skeletons. Which meant, of course, as soon as there was a combat, uh, all five characters in the front rank. Um... Uh, Let's see, one, two, three zombie hordes, two units of dire wolves, one unit of five crypt horrors, three vargeists, and two terror geists. Uh, this is a dirty list. This is definitely one of those listy lists, one yeah. of those those internet things you hear about. Uh, the I, five characters in the front rank of the zombies is just, it's, so it's, nasty. It's dirty business. Yeah, I mean, if I was to face this again, I would probably give it a two. I gave it a much higher score than that. But the next time I play this, I'll recognize it for what it is. This is a very... This is a very uh, competitive list. Yeah. Now, the player, I'll give top net ranks to. The, uh, Dennis is an excellent guy, and I shook his hand and thanked him for the game, and he's great. Yep. Uh, he's a gentleman. He was good to play, and I'd play him again happily. Uh, it went down like this, my friend. I scored nothing. He scored everything. Terrorgeists, uh, kill trains dead, because they don't have to worry about armor saves. They go. They bypass toughness. I didn't even think about that. So that they just scream just goes right against a leadership role. Yeah. I made an immense mistake in this game. Not only that, I, I, I had no idea what the... I forgot completely what Terror Geist did. I didn't know. I just... I remember reading about it once in the book. We went through the vampires and it went out of my head. Because we've never played it. I've never seen them on a table before. So they, the two of them came up and screamed it off the face of the earth. Just blah, done. Take it off. The... Um, m- the moment I realized my mistake, I knew the game was over. I charged my, my Kadai into the bus. My thought was, what I saw was only one Wraith was in the front rank. I don't know why. I had no idea why. For some reason, I thought the rule was only one character may make way. That's just what I thought. I don't know where the rule came from, but that's not the case. Oh, I could have, thought, I could have sworn that was the rule, too. So I thought, I thought so, too, but... The moment I did that, he asked, why on earth did you do that? And I said, well, because only one can step up. And he's like, no, absolutely not. All of them can step up. And I said, well, then the game's over. (laughs) (laughs) They can do the place. Well, I'd already looked it up, and as far as I can tell, they all can make way. What the rule says is that if there's more than one, players in turn take turns moving them up. Okay. 
And, and they can displace the command unit? Apparently. I, I I guess. Wow. I didn't I didn't realize you could do that either. Even when Meal and I were talking about that, we didn't realize you could do that to to displace command units. I, I I have to admit if there's one thing when we eventually see ninth edition, I I don't like the the feel of an entire unit of the front rank being taken up by heroes which disallow your ability to attack the unit. I think to me that feels a little gamey, but I think it's also sour grapes for me to complain about it now after I lost to it. Oh sure, um, they are the rules, and he was a skilled player, and he and he did what he was supposed to do, and he played a great game, and it was a mistake that maybe cost me the game, but he also knew his tools better than I knew what his tools were going to do, so he played a, a terrific game. Um, it was also probably just surgery for him. I, I oh. did the best I could, but I couldn't score anything. Hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, my last game was I played um, against Greg, Mer- Greg Mercott, who is in our oh, gaming no group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had never gotten to play either. Uh, he had just recently joined our gaming group in the last campaign. I was running it. I wasn't playing. Yeah. Uh, so he had his ogres, and he had a, a, a fairly fairly basic ogre list. He had a level four Great Moss Slaughtermaster. The Bruiser BSB, uh, level one Fire Belly, a unit of uh, ten Iron Guts, um, a unit of nine Ogres, a unit of ten Noblars with uh, throwing weapons. He had a, like a little, you know, a little extra chaff unit. He had a unit of eight Lead Belchers, a unit of four Mornfang, three Saber Tusks, and an Iron Blaster. Okay. Um. I don't have a very good answer for ogres, and I know it. Especially with this list, I knew my two my two strong hitters weren't going to go against ogres. Um, I knew that the actually the crypt horrors wouldn't do too bad with strength four, toughness five, mm-hmm. as long as they weren't going up against iron guts. Their strength four was matching the toughness four. The ogre strength four was not matching their toughness five, so it was just a matter of I only had five and he had at least eight in any given unit. So I was like, "Ugh, this is bad." Well, but you could regenerate your guys. Not only no, that, but right. you could also bring them back. Hopefully, uh, re- bringing them back three at three wounds per per casting if they're close enough uh, is rough, it, especially because the only character that's going with crypt horrors and uh, black knights is the one general. So I've only got the one character with them one chance to do it. As soon as he tries to cast it, that's where they throw their dispel dice because they don't want to bring it back. Um, this is a Benny Hill episode. The music started because in the very middle was that haunted manor, right? Okay, and you wanted to get in. Well, that's you know you got this big building right in the middle, and off to the side was this piece of it was sort of impassable, one of the terrain pieces that that in the contest. And Greg messed up a little bit in his deployment. He kind of started in center and went off to the one side. I started in the center and went a little bit that way with him, threw a couple of my chaff units there. But I had a lot more units than him. So, like, he went from, he had, like, the two units of the the two, the iron guts and the bulls kind of in front of me. And the iron blaster went to the left because I was putting some little chaff out there. So he thought I was moving to the left. And once he put it there, then I put out one more unit sort of near the middle and his last thing to come out was the Mornfang, which came out on the right. And I'm like, well... Uh, so then I put my Crypt Horrors, my Spirit, everything on the right to take on the four Mornfang and stay the hell away from the cannon. So he had to bring everything down and into my right, except he had two pieces of impassable terrain without a huge gap for big ogres to get through. Okay. 
So every time he tried to muscle through, I summoned up a unit of zombies in front of him and blocked him again. So I kept, I just kept twisting him around. Uh, so that was what it was. I ran away and threw units of zombies behind me to slow him down and misdirect him. Okay. Um, I did manage to pull off. He hadn't played against the VC. Um, I, I had my Hex Wraiths Vanguard up, but they were still within 12 inches of the general. So they vanguarded up. He got the first turn. He moved his Mordenfang down and sort of passed him because he knew he couldn't hit him because they were ethereal. And he was just, he figured he'd run past them. The worst they could do is they'd run through, do a little bit, and then he could try to charge down, get uh, one of my core units of wussies in the flank, and then he wouldn't. He wanted to just run and overrun right down the line. Um, I managed uh, to have my little spirit host also within 12 inches of the general. So went flying up and did a march, did, blocked him, you know, right in front at an angle. So there was the spirit host, and it's like, well, you can charge it. He didn't even have a banner, so he got combat res of one. So the worst he could do was one. Like, I, it's, it's a four-wound model. So I put it right in front of him and held him there. I ran through him with the hex race once, killed one of the Mornfang. Then I charged him in the rear with the same hex race on that next turn because I had him blocked. I uh, I did a couple of wounds. I basically, he failed uh, the break test and he wound up running. But at the angle he had lined himself up in so he could hit the flank of the one unit and run through, he ran away from my hex race. There was nowhere for him to run. Once he ran about five, six inches, he hit the first of those units, bounced at that angle straight through and off the board. Mm. So his Mornfang ran off the board. I turned the Crypt Ghouls and all the Hex Race and everything around on the eight uh, Lead Belchers, which, okay, I know everyone says Lead Belchers is just not all that great. And I'm like, but man, they've got Strength 4, Armor Piercing, D6 shots. He had eight of them. He was rolling up at least 30 shots up, at least 30 shots every round. That sounds promising. And against anything that would be Toughness 3 or something that was worried about an armor save, it would have been devastating. But he rolled it up against my Crypt Horrors. So, I mean, he only, he hits on basically on fours or fives. So he's wounding on fives, and you save on fives. Yep. Okay. So he was throwing 30, even in the best situation, he was hitting on about 15 or 16. So but 30, then he was wounding shots, on five. He would need to, he suffers movement penalties and range no, penalties. No, no movement, only range and cover, because the lead belchers so don't suffer for movement or multiple shots. So he's uh, sh- hitting on fives. He was hitting on fives in the beginning and fours later on because yeah. I failed to charge and ran up right in front of him. But still, 32 shots hitting on fours. He he got, like, you know, he'll get 16. Then he's rolling a wound. Well, he only gets a third of those. So then he's got about five or six. Mm-hmm. And then I actually rolled a couple of decent saves. So he was doing two wounds per sh- per turn of of all that shooting. So I basically grabbed that, grabbed those guys, that was oh his, his he did have it wound up I got seven hundred eleven points he actually got none, but he did have you know you get that 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 moral victory yeah he didn't want my hex wraith charging into his one unit because he knew that they could they could do enough damage and maybe make it run and he didn't want to use a whole a small unit of bulls and lose more points so he charged him in the flank with his knoblars hit ten knoblars he's like I can't do any damage but I've got a charge and a flank. And you've only got two attacks. Maybe I can at least, you know, just hold you here for a turn. He charges me in the flank, and I flub both rolls. 
So he wins the combat by two. I didn't lose the unit. I went from five down to two. He's like, yes, Noblars kill X-rays. I did it. He was like, oh. I was like, son of a gun. So there was a more. So that was that was actually my best game. That was a fourteen six. Nice. Of course, it was the one game that the Coven Throne never actually got in a battle. Just sort of rode around, giving out its, uh, you know, its leadership bonus. Sure, it's like the ice cream truck of Did, the uh, of the undead. I will say this: leadership ten with an eighteen inch range, ain't bad, even for, you know, for for having with with your zombies and stuff like that. I mean. Um, you know, I don't have to do too many tests, but if a test ever had to come up, it's nice to know you got that going there. So. That's true. You got that going on. So You also get full consciousness. I wound up 52nd out of 75. I was I was 26th. 25th. 25th. Yeah. Well, that's with the new score. Well, still, I mean. And it's also, yeah, I should, uh, I suppose I should mention uh, it was a thrill for me. I got best chaos dwarves. So, hey. Hey. Out of two. Hey, you got best in race. That's true. It's more than what I got. But uh, well, I was happy because one, the only other Chaos Dwarf player was the guy from the ETC. So I felt like, okay, I must have played well. So. Exactly, you did better than the guy who was coming in. Who's yeah? I mean, that was that whole group group of ETC guys. Oh so, yeah, guys, just go ahead and consider me then. So when you when you fly out to Poland, maybe you should take me. You need a Chaos Dwarf player. Sure, Here's your boy. Yeah, I'm in. Count me in. Except <sighs> except that I can't afford to go. Okay, so the Coven Throne. We, uh, you know what? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about this. Wrap it up. Okay, sounds good. If a game is only as good as the person who plays it, then the best games can be found at Unique Gifts and Games, collectible and classic card games, board games, RPGs, tabletop miniatures, hobby tools, and more, all found within. And so is an amazing community of fellow gamers, as well as dedicated gaming tables, terrain, and a library of open games to try. It's also your source for Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Stop by for Warhammer Fantasy Mondays, 40K Tuesdays, and War Machine Wednesdays. Demos and tournaments are alive and well at UGG. Check their website at uniqueugg.com for their calendar of events or call 847-548-8270. Don't forget about the rewards program, their convenient location in downtown Grays Lake, Illinois, and their friendly staff. Unique gifts and games. Great gamers mean great gaming. Okay, so I took Dan Heelan's challenge, and I took a lot of grief the last couple episodes about a Coven Throne. Yes, you did, and yes, you did. So, Coven Throne. In fluff games in the basement, I could see ways of making it effective. I really don't think it could. I think it could be a good choice at about 3,000 points where you can afford to take it. Here was the biggest problem is I couldn't even max out on vampiric powers and magic items because I was limited to 600 points. I got a 205-point vampire and a 230-point coven throne. That's 435. I had to, I had to make him a level 2 because if he's How much out is it? It's 235? 230 for the coven throne, 205 for the vampire. So, so we're at 435. Well, I'm just thinking about the coven throne itself. The reason I'm asking is maybe what you and I can do. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's not... It's not quite there. It's not. It is definitely not the competitive choice. No, and I knew it wasn't. But and here's the big problem: the cool thing that it's got is that contest of wills. Yeah. Well, I was playing Skaven, who kept having like testing on a nine to my ten. Um, I didn't actually get into combat against ogres because I wasn't crazy. So, and I, the one chance I had a really good chance was against Empire, and he cannoned it out from under my vampire on turn two. I never got a chance to try it. Um. So that the, 
Honestly, I mean, that's the one when I charge it into the blood letters. That's what I was hoping for. If I could beat him by six, all those blood letters. I mean, they're like they were leaderships. I think eight. I was ten. A, ser- a decent roll on my part and a flub on his part, and suddenly all those blood letters attack themselves. One attack. Mm-hmm. So you got thirty blood letters hitting themselves on fours. So that's fifteen hits, and then strength five, toughness three. Yep. Two. So sudden, suddenly. 12 blood letters, and that counts towards combat res. Yep. When that works, it's brilliant. Five games, it never once happened. So it's really cool in concept, and I would I will take it again in fluff games. It's like taking a single character with Killing Blow. You can't rely on it, but it makes for a story. I just never got my story. I guess that's part of it. Yeah. It's, it is fun. It's a beautiful model. I will say this. <laughs> Having a really tough vampire on it, though, the... The times it got blown up, there was only once I, ga- I I only gave up points for it once in five games. Because yes, they blew up the Coven Throne, but I put a four up ward on my vampire as well. So they blow up the throne, the vampire's still alive. He's run he jumps in a unit and runs around still divvying out tons of damage. Um so it really it works for points denial because it's it's hard to kill them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you just get one and not the other it's it, it ain't bad. I mean, it's 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 funny because it, it's it's really not a bad choice. There's just better choices. I mean, this army right here with all those level twos, I could have taken out that Coven Throne, put in the Mortis Engine with the with the uh, with the Blasphemous Tome. That's only ten more points. I could have found ten points to trim somewhere. Drop a amulet or drop a magic. I drop something. Um. And suddenly my level twos are casting at level four. I've got the pulse, which is which everybody's afraid of. My regens on my crypt ghouls just became a four instead of a five. Our crypt horrors. Um, it's just, I mean, I wanted it to work better than it did. It 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 did a good job. It's not enough to. It it can't do a great job though. I mean, I suppose it can, but it's like you said, it's the. Hey, I heroic killing blowed this thing. It's it's a it's more of a good story than something you can rely on. That that's kind of where it's at. Well, still, it sounds like uh, I had a fun time. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, people were amazed though. People, I mean, I've been talking about it for so long. People, how you doing? Uh, I got a couple of eleven nines, a couple of twelve eights, and uh, and I won a fourteen six. Like, and that was one. Wow, we really thought you were going to be on the bottom table with that choice. I'm like, well, either I'm a really good general, or it doesn't suck as bad as you think. So, there we go. I had a blast. How about you? I had a great time. Um, for me, of course, it was a thrill to, you know, sort of have my day in the sun, my 15 minutes of fame at the near the top tables. But I also got to prove that uh, cast dwarves are an absolutely viable list. I mean, if a schlep like me can take them to the top, then, dude, come on. You know what? Here's the thing. Let's be honest. You're a much better player than you give yourself credit for, and I think that other people give you credit for at mm-hmm. times. You you like to take different lists almost every time and experiment. Yeah. Um, you've been playing Chaos Dwarves in the last couple of tournaments when they still sucked. I mean, you took Chaos Dwarves to Core Comp when they were the Chaos Dwarf list and not the Tamarcon list. Yeah. I oh, mean, you mean the NDGT? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a kick in the dog, so. I, my point is, you know, you're like, oh, it's nice to for once get up there. Well, for once, you went to a tournament with a, with a viable list and proved. I mean, yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, um, I, will I teased s- you and called you a bandwagon jumping, dirty list having, 
broken army playing guy. And people actually looked at me because <laughs> you're like, ah, for you. People were like, damn, he's being harsh. I'm like, dude, I know that for a fact this guy's been playing Chaos Dwarfs for 20 years. 94. Yeah, almost 20 years. 18 years he's been playing Chaos Dwarfs. Or maybe 95. Me calling him the bandwagoner just makes him laugh and be like, shut up. Well, the Kadai is as... It's it does what it says on the tin. It's money, money, mo money. It's awesome. It is awesome. It is awesome. However, the top table players knew exactly how to deal with it. In fact, in the case and so of, does Harrison. So does Harrison. Because <laughs> he laughs every. <laughs> Excuse me. Every time I say I'm afraid of that thing, he's like, I took it out. I'm like, shut up, you. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The the top players, um, you know. There are, you have to put something in your list. It's, yeah. a, it's a metagame changer. You have to change your list. If you're going to a tournament and you think a Kadai is going to be there, think about what it does and plan ahead. In the case of the Ogres, he has a fire belly. The fire belly got in the way. He's got a 2-plus ward. He's not going to get hurt from the thing. Yeah. In the case of the vampire counts, he was able to scream my engine off the table, and he probably would have been able to do the things same thing even easier to the Kadai. Yeah. In the other case, what he just did is he put a whole bunch of ethereal guys up there since it does not have magic attacks. Again, does not have magic attacks. Right. Um, and the Strigoi just butchered it. And, of course, the Strigoi was carrying the 2-plus ward against fire. You're going to start seeing that a little bit more, maybe. Maybe start thinking about where you want that in your list. Uh, everything else is money in the bank. The cast dwarves are awesome. They fight like demons. The, the They are an are, elite army. They are yeah. a strong elite army. You don't get a ton of models, but like I said, you're taking hobgoblins, which you don't hear a lot of people taking. They're great. They are. But we, you knew when they were great, because I remember when you first looked at me, these guys are like, these are like, uh, like, like lesser sneaky gets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And your sneaky gets were always in your list, and they were the one thing in your list I was afraid of, because they got up in your face quick, and they would For, butcher you. They were a little bit like... Almost like a Magler now, because, yeah. yeah, there's only 10 of them. I only spent like 60, 70 points on that crummy little unit. But if you turn your back on them, they're going to double their attacks, triple their attacks. Right. So two goes from three to four to five or something like that. And it gets ridiculous. So, yeah. And, you know, 20 guys becomes, what is it, it became like uh, 25 attacks. Something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really ridiculous. But poison, yeah. Exactly. So they actually can do damage. But, um the hobgoblins are absolutely worth it. It's it's a minimum of expenditure for a maximum output. And the magma cannon was a godsend almost every game. Because if your toughness three bleh, even if your toughness four, I, I'm gonna wound you on threes and D three wounds, it scares the hell out of ogres. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And the Death Shrieker, uh something interesting to consider. You know, remember the big debate about does it or does it not snipe a character out of a unit? Right. And the argument was no. In this case we're gonna treat it like a template, ergo there can be a lookout, sir. Okay. Well, there's a double side to that because when you land it on top of a character mm -hmm. who's on a mount, it's a template. They're both hit. It only has one strength, strength eight. Now you hit both of them at strength eight. Uh -huh. If the rule is like that and I can't snipe out a character, then the same rule translates as in I hit both of them, not snipe out one. There you go. So there's it's no matter what, for 100 points, that rocket is fantastic. And so it's so good, in fact, that the ETC player skipped the Magma and ch chose two of those because he wanted to maximize what he thought was the strength of the army. Uh, I agree with him in that it's good, but I like to have both. I mean, everything in that army is good. Maybe, yeah. maybe not yeah. everything. That Chaos Giant, Siege Giant's never... He's going he's gonna to look <laughs> good gonna, on the table. I'm going to put him on anyway. I know. That, that's going to be my you flop. You can convert him up like McClure's Giant from his game. 
Oh, it looks so good just the way that Forge World did it. I'm, you know what McClure Yeah, I know what he did. You're a sick man, Tom McClure. Oh. A sick, sick man. And eventually I'll get that I love quick. You. Oh, man. <laughs> and the fact that they can take Hell Cannons. Yeah, the Chaos Dwarves are absolutely viable. I love my army. It's so much fun to play. I love it how the Hell Cannon is the thing I never see in the Chaos Dwarf list. It's just like, you know, our, our other, our Tamarcon Cannons are so much more awesome. Let those Chaos Warriors have the Hell Cannon. Well, it's even better when Chaos Dwarves take it. Yeah, but I'm just saying, but it is, I mean, it's a, the Hell Cannon is a brutal weapon. Yes, the fact that I haven't even seen you field one, and you're doing that well, it's like those other choices are so good that the Hell Cannon is a, eh, I could take it if I want it, but it's not, I mean, that's kind of cool. And I just, I'm thinking, you know, once again, I'm going with the fluff guy in my head. You know me, I'm more of the cinematic going with the story in my head. Yeah. That's sort of the weak sauce cannon. That's the one that the cast. No, that's the one that the cast wears. They sell those to the cast wears. Here, you can have this cannon. It's the least stable. It does a lot of damage. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's funny because it's like you have all these other things, and I mean, when when that when that when that when the hail cannon showed up on that list for the cast wears, I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. This is now they don't have any other shooting, yeah. but they get this thing, and everyone's like, oh no, double hell cannon. You're a douche. You're a dork. You have it in your list, and it doesn't show up in a lot of. Ca- I don't see it in the cast dwarf list because it's expensive. So, and I'm, just, but that's what I'm saying. And you have all this other stuff, and I just keep picturing in my head the cast dwarf being like, "Yeah, they want to buy some cannons. Sell them those hell cannons. Mm-hmm. They're not reliable. You know, they're not. Well, re- there, there's a brutal combination. If you can get the spell that redu- permanently reduces their leadership, which uh-huh. is in the lore of Hashut, right? Then hit them subsequently with the hell cannon which makes them take a leadership test at an additional minus 1 you can make like hiles potentially fail a leadership on a 6 oh yeah you know and that yeah, even dwarves and start that to run from that pretty good yeah <laughs> Well, I think that's our coverage of bits. I think so. It's a little long-winded unless I successfully edited this show. <laughs> we'll see when I get done. And, guys, I'm sorry that it's late, but we're actually recording on the 25th because we had bits on the weekend, and uh, we were just too busy leading up to this to record. So sorry this one's late. Next one hopefully won't be. Uh, but uh, well, I think we have maybe one more thing to uh, to report, Yep, and then we'll wrap it up. So I'll just hit my headset on the microphone <laughs> as professionally as I can. <laughs> All right, my friends, I have one last thing to read to you, and unfortunately it's going to come as a bit of a surprise. With the, I'm going to just go ahead and read this, guys. I had to write this today. With a heavy heart, I need to hang up my headset and microphone and say goodnight to our listeners. Uh, this will be my last official Garage Hammer podcast. Due to a changing schedule and an increased workload, I'm no longer able to focus on family, work, and the show with the attention that they all deserve. I simply hit a wall and realized that something big had to change, so I had to make it Garage Hammer. Working on Garage Hammer has been an incredible experience, and in that time I've come to recognize uh, just how fortunate I am to have a community of listeners and gamers like all of you. I love the show, the game, but most of all, I love the players. The local scene, my local scene is an all-star cast of friends, and I'm grateful for them. I want to assure you all that this is not a preamble to a rage quit. I'm, I'm still very passionate about the hobby. I will be devoting plenty of time to other games too, but that's the way it's always been for me. Look for me at the Kings of War tourney next year at Adepticon, at Wagpaka in January, and every single Blood in the Sun. I also want to assure the listeners that this is not the end of Garage Hammer. It's simply my time to tap out. David 
will continue to pilot the show in the right direction, and he'll do it with my love and my full support. He's been the real driving force behind the quality of the show. He's been the real heart of Garage Hammer. He's been an expert editor and a passionate devotee to the hobby. I ask that you continue to support him and the show during his time of transition. I'd like to wrap this up with a thank you to those who made this experience so positive for me. I'd like to start with our sponsors like Unique Gifts and Games, Game Preserve, Urza's Den, Battle Foam, Weird World's Terrain, Chaos Orc Superstore, and Lizardman Jeff Creaser's Circle City Circuit. Without their support, we may never have gotten this far. So let me ask just one last time. If you want to support Garage Hammer, support its sponsors, and please do business with them. There are too many individuals to thank, too many people to thank, but I'll try. And I'll inevitably miss some names, so please forgive me if I missed you. So let me try, and I'll say thank you to Brian Steele, Chris Yu, Stephen Lechman, Handsome Man Gret Fetter, Ryan Noble, Joe Cook, Greg and Stephanie Marcotte, Aaron Schmidt, John Gasick, Chris Mullen, Taz and Luke Fritz, the Ohio Hammer crew of Andy Sherman, Jake Hunter, Mark Dieter, and Bob Shenevert, Wogcast, Joe Flesh and Chuck Jardina, Wisco Dices, Ben Cohn and Paul Wagner, Point Hammers, Johnny Hastings, Joe Rogers, and Ryan Golke. Dan Heelan and Wayne Kemp from Heelanhammer. Bad Dice is Ben Curry, Mark Wildman, and Gareth Brooks. Jeff Carroll from Podhammer for his inspiration. Chris Broskin, Andrew Nykamp from Skull Bro Awesome. Domus, Brohammer's Tom McClure, and Eric Lindley. The Black Sun Boys. Uh, Gordon Sundin, Big Mike, also known as Amy's Revenge. Painting Tables, Jen and Greg Person. Ryan Nickel, Kassar from our, uh, from our forum. Matt Burdoff, Kevin Coleman, Pop Daddy, Rain Dog. Robert Fanouf, Brad and Andrea Schwant, Green Tsunami, Tegnus Wagnerson, and our tech guru, Daniel Fallon, T. Mays, Miel Vermeulen, Alex Gonzalez, Peter, uh, Spencer Stevens, Mike Gerald, Mark Zelensky, Cardone the Magician, Swiss Dictator, Robert J. the Cranky Lawyer Ruffner, and finally, thank you to David, who has remained my dear friend and brother. I know all of you will wish me well, but rather... I'd like you to use that energy to support David right now and help him remember what an amazing job he has continuously done for this show. My greatest silver lining of all of this will be that now I can finally spend more time playing games with my best friend. Goodbye, everyone, and thanks for two amazing years. Well, I guess asking people to buy a hoodie after that just sort of falls short, so... Oh, no, buy a hoodie. (laughs) Okay, folks. Um, Hell, buy two hoodies. <laughs> they're they're nice. In fact, I ask you all to buy a hoodie for David. <laughs> One his size. I believe right now he's triple large, but it's the summer of sixty, bro. I'll be down to two ninety by the end of summer. Nice. That's the plan. Yeah, buy one for plan. David that says "I love you, David" on it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah. I don't know what to say, Chris. I'm I'm really sad that we're not going to be doing this. But uh, like you said, I'm kind of happy that. I mean, folks, you got to realize, Christopher and I known each other, you know, like since 1984. Th- yeah, we've known each other almost 30 years, and this has been like the longest we never game spell we've had. I mean, we haven't played Warhammer against each other if you don't count the bits, the bits primer, or, or the, Adepticon, me, the Adepticon, Adepticon, primer. Adepticon primer. If you don't count the Adepticon primer, we haven't had a game of Warhammer each other in almost a year because. Yeah. With our schedules, almost the only time we get together is to For do this. the show. And so now we can still find that little bit of time in our schedule, but it can be... We can actually do something. 
we can actually have some games in and we can invite other people to do it too. It's not just, hey, we have to record tonight. We say, hey, bring in Heather, bring in Tanya, bring in whoever and make sure that we can all game together. So it's, it's, it'll be nice, but, uh, all right, folks. Well, uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Buy a hoodie. <laughs> Guys, thank you all. Uh, don't forget to support our sponsors. And uh, absolutely, be sure to, to tweet David and tell him that you think he's effing fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. that'll be cool. That'll be good. It won't happen, but it'll be good. No, I think it should happen. I think right about now, I think I need as many people as possible to jump right the hell on Twitter and say, Dave... Awesome. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep going. You complete this Warhammer community. That won't all fit on a tweet. But if they just type Dave Awesome, they'll know that they, I'll know that they got your... Dave equal awesome community good. <laughs> Dave equal awesome community good. If they tweet that, I'll know they listen to the show. Or least. they have to make two tweets. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Good night, guys. I wish I could just stand out in the sun and be fed. You could. I mean, just, like, by the sun. Like, you know, that I wouldn't have to eat. I oh, just... I thought you meant, like, you just stand out there and some little kid with oh, the German I can. says, I can would go you outside. like some more pudding? Heck, I can go outside tomorrow morning, you Harrison, bring me a donut. But that's not the same. That's not what I meant. Pudding in the sun doesn't sound very good. Pudding in the sun. That should be Blood in the Sun 3, Pudding in the Sun. <laughs> that... There it is. I'm I'm voting for pudding in the sun. Do you think you'd get a better sports score if you give your opponent like a little cup of pudding? McClure was giving out cookies. I think you sure as hell would. McClure was giving out big, thick ass cookies. They were so tasty. I ate one. Ass cookies? Yes. Were they shaped like an ass? <laughs> they were shaped like domuses. <laughs> <laughs>